0: Actually, <laughs> I, I, I wanted to talk about working
1: yeah. with Jared because obviously there's there's been a lot of talk about sort of like his style of acting. It's very tense, it's very immersive. Like, I don't want to use the word method because I feel like that's that's a sort of a cheap throw out word. But what is it like working opposite of that?
2: Uh, you know, I think I would maybe call it transformative. Yes. I think he, he, I did an interview with the other day with him and he said that I was like, that's, I like that word. Um, he sort of has created his own sort of style of acting and he enjoys transformative work you know, I think as an actor, you're you you you're constantly performing with other actors and, you know, part of our job is to be adaptable, right? And to mold into someone else's. And I think he did and I did. And, you know, I think I learned a lot. I think he's incredibly committed um, and his commitments over here. You have no other choice but to sort of match him and, mm-hmm. and to go there. Um, and it created a level of respect and it created a level of truth that was really nice to sort of start a story from um so yeah I mean I thought it was I thought it was great I certainly learned a lot I know I probably won't work with anyone like him I don't I think he's very unique so I feel really you know fortunate that I was able to spend three months with him
3: Everybody, welcome back to a brand new episode of Not to Bomb Podcast. This is the hip, cool, fresh, dope podcast. I, Brad, I'm struggling here. I mean, we're talking superhero films, so I figure I we gotta do some, I mean, like cool language, right? So we can get yeah, to so, all the young So this kids.
0: episode, we're gonna release this episode this week, and then all of our fans are gonna like meme tweet us, and then we're gonna release it again in like two weeks, and it's gonna do way worse. Oh, it's so. awesome.
3: Yep. That's, that's how it works. Well, yes, we're, we're going back and looking at the films of 2022. Brad, this week was your choice. What did you choose? I, cho-
0: I, cho- I, you I choose, I chose uh, <laughs> Morbius from uh, April of 2022, April 1st to be exact.
3: Yeah, this one's super interesting. So we, we had to have a couple of people on the show. The first one of course is our own Korean cool. John, how are you this evening?
4: Hey guys, doing great. How about you guys?
3: Awesome. I'm I can't wait for the lesson on the comic history of Morbius. And yeah, then pretty cool. our other great friend who happens to have this little podcast people might know, Watch Skip Plus, is none other than our great friend Jose. How are you this evening?
1: I'm good. Can I be can I be Filipino <laughs> Filipino. <laughs> yes, you can. You can. Filipino fat yes. with a pH? Yeah.
0: I gotta play like a go. alliteration. Yeah. There I like you it.
3: Yeah, I like that. <laughs> we'll 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 get in with the kids now with those nicknames. Uh so superhero films. That that's what we're talking. And superhero films, uh, let's let's talk about what came out in 2022. We I don't know what what'd you guys think about this particular genre that came out this year? anything stand out or your general opinions on it? I'll start with you, Jose. Uh, Marvel, Marvel, Marvel question mark. <laughs> was it, it was it, do you say that because of the combination of films and the TV and everything?
1: Yeah, I just, uh, I, I'm, we've, I, I know you guys have talked about this ad nauseum um, film fans have talked about this ad nauseum, like Marvel movies, Marvel superhero hero movies. Are they, quote unquote cinema are they film or are they just movies you guys have that discussion oh yeah um i I will say this they are very very entertaining um but i'm really just uh i don't know i'm a little superheroed out okay actually strangely i I get that (laughs) what what about you john
3: uh you have a huge collection of comic books probably the most that of of all the people that i know personally (laughs) And, um, even when we go to Baltimore comic-con, you're, you're just giving me lessons all day long about artists and, and comic history. What, what do you think about this slate of superhero films in 2022?
4: Um, the only thing I can really think of right now is try hard, try Um, hard. (laughs) They're just trying a little too hard to the point where, um, I'm not really finding a lot of excitement or enjoyment out of it. Um, I, I think to best sum it up um, everything else now that my, that I watch with my son um his, his famous quote is uh, that CGI is better than Dr. Strange's. And I'm like, no, yeah, mm. you know, can't quite, yeah. Can't quite disagree. Um, so it, it's, it's, I want those stories. I want those heroes to come to life, but I, I, I don't know exactly what life Avenue Hollywood is looking at when they're trying to put these out on screen, you know, um, like I, I still kind of want to see Black Adam, but that's only for Hawkman, one of my favorite characters of all time. But still, haven't seen it um, because, again, the the excitement, the interest in in the lore of those characters and stuff. I'm just not, I'm not feeling it right away. Okay,
3: what's your take, Brad?
0: I think the only standout for this year for me is the Batman, and that was like way early in the year. Oh so. yeah,
3: March. Yep. Okay.
4: Uh, I think that's the like. Yeah.
0: Okay. That would be the only one I'd be like, yeah, I really enjoyed the Batman.
4: Yeah, that was definitely a standout. Um, surprisingly, surprisingly, really good. So that's what
3: kicked off this year, right? The Batman March of 2022, followed by the movie we're talking about this evening. Morbius came out in April and then it was re-released because um, I, I don't we'll talk we'll talk about that that that's kind of interesting. And then in May, we got, uh, I guess, the first Marvel proper film. Mor- Morbius is a co-production between Sony and, and, and Disney, right? Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is, is a true just Disney product. That came out in May. Then July, we get two, right? Thor, Love and Thunder, and then DC League of Super Pets, which was an animated film. Um, we fought, we got to wait till October for the next one, which is black Adam. And then we end the year on black Panther, Wakanda forever in November. Now in between all of this, we had tons of, uh, animated films that went to direct to video for DC, some television shows, both on network and then Disney plus put out their stuff, uh, stuff like she Hulk, um, couple of specials, right? Werewolf by night, um, guardians of the galaxy holiday special, I have a question for you. So let's just talk movies for a second. What was the highest grossing movie so far? Do you think of those films? Thor? Batman,
1: right?
3: So you say Batman. So we got Batman, Morbius, Dr. Strange, Thor. Was there,
1: was it, there wasn't a Spider-Man this year? No. no. Okay. Doctor, no. Dr. Doctor Strange. Strange.
4: I thought it was Thor.
3: Thor. Okay. So here's the breakdown. Batman made $770 million. Uh Brad, I'll save the stuff for Morbius. Let's just say that it came in last. <laughs> you'll, you'll review that one. Um Thor 11 Thunder came in at 761, so very close to Batman. We've got DC League of Super Pets came in at 204 million. We nice. have Black Adam so far at 384 million. Black Panther. Now when I pulled this, it was at 737 million. I think after this weekend it's up to 767. Um and the winner so far of this year, just shy of a billion dollars, is Doctor Strange in the multiverse of Madness oh. at 955 million. Oh,
5: okay. Okay. Yeah.
3: Interesting.
0: <laughs> Are we live in a world where Doctor Strange almost makes a billion dollars.
3: Yeah. Interesting. With without China's help. So let's let's mm-hmm. put that out there, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh now here's the other thing. Uh, I, I just real quick, has everybody seen all the superhero films that have come out this year? I get the I get the impression you haven't, John, because you were talking about Black nope. Adam, right?
4: No. Yeah, I have not seen them all.
3: Okay. What about you, Jose?
1: Yes. All of them. DC Digested. League
3: of Super Pets. You saw that one too? <laughs>
1: uh yeah, I did. Okay. I was I mean <laughs> so it's like you. a it's like a it's a kid's movie. I loved it or whatever, but like I, I wouldn't lump it in with the superhero movies for whatever reasons. Okay. What about you, Brad? I haven't seen
0: Black Panther or Black Adam?
3: Oh, okay. Uh I haven't seen League of Super Pets, even though I bought it. I did buy it. Uh, this is a common
1: thing with you, Troy. It is. It's it's in the stack. <laughs> with all of us actually. <laughs> I and I have
3: not seen Black Panther What of forever. Now, I will tell you why I haven't seen Black Panther yet. It's that stupid runtime. Two hours and forty one minutes. Uh, this has been a thing with a well, lot I mean, of these. The well, I mean, the
0: Batman was
3: two fifty five, two fifty six. Now, I carved out time for that because it came out in March. There wasn't a lot of stuff yeah. going on. Look, when you when you come out with a three hour movie in November, December, it's a little hard to squeeze in with all the stuff going on, right? Um, out of the films, what do you think is the shortest runtime of the films that came out this year between that group?
1: Is it Morbius? See, League of Pets. <laughs>
3: Okay, we got DC League of Pets. We got Morbius. What do you think, John? Where's your vote? Morbius. Morbius. Uh, It's Morbius by one minute.
0: Nice. Stop. (laughs) Second place is
3: DC League of Super Pets. So that came in at one hour and 45 minutes. Morbius came in at one hour and 44 minutes. What's interesting is you talked about this already, Brad. Batman's at two hours and 56 minutes. Uh, Doctor Strange was two hours and six minutes. Black Adams, two hours and five minutes. Is it
0: only 206? God, it feels like that movie is Do, way longer you be, than that. You'll be quiet. You'll be quiet. <laughs> I'll bro. say
3: this. The, the first showing of it, I was pretty excited <laughs> about. And then I went to see it again in the theater. And it did feel like longer than two hours. <laughs> uh, and then Black Panther, we talked about two hours, 41. Okay. So I want to ask this question before we get to Morbius. And uh, it's a question that I think can uh probably derail this entire podcast within just a few minutes Mm -hmm. Uh, and and I'm okay with that because (laughs) uh I think it's an interesting question all right so bear with me on this so go along with the journey all right and the only reason I bring this up is because I was looking back at um this year because the whole idea of December is to look back at movies I went back and was like, what was the very first podcast we talked about? um, Or what movie did we talk about in the first podcast of 2022? Do you remember, Brad?
0: Oh, buddy, I have no idea.
3: Okay. Our first episode of 2022 was Donnie Yen's Raging Fire. Because if you remember in January, we were talking about our favorite films of 2021. So we did it a month earlier this year, right? So I, I thought this was interesting. So hear me out on this. We've always talked about China's department within the government that approves scripts and also the elements in each Chinese production. Right? So there's always a segment and it's there in raging fire. And we talked about this where you feel the government preaching to the people about how good the government is for their lives. So Donnie Yen gives this speech right, right before uh, the third act um, and, and all the violence happens and Donnie Yen's kicking people in their face. So, And you've got this other thing outside of that, which is, in fact, China doesn't let certain movies show if it doesn't fit the government, government's view, which Marvel is finding out, right? There's Marvel movies just are not showing in China right now. So I, I had this, this question that was stirring around in my head. And, uh, how important is culture in regards to politics? So what I spent this week reading a lot of is just articles related to that question. And there was one particular article that came up in The Economist, and it was back in 2019. And I just want to read a couple of things from this article. So it says, The influence of culture on politics is profound. Explaining the rule-bound Japanese, orderly Swiss, laissez-faire French, and gun-toting freedom-loving Americans. That, at least, is the thesis of Michelle Giffond, a psychology professor at the University of Maryland. So here we go. Maryland representing, right? Yay. So you go through this article and there's a section I thought it was kind of interesting. Culture certainly influences politics. Now, this is Michelle's view. Okay. For example, in our research in America and France, people who wanted a tighter culture because they feel threatened were supportive of politicians like Donald Trump and Marion Le Pen. Uh, On the other hand, politics can also change culture. We've already seen how politicians, both now and in history, can exaggerate and amplify threats to tighten cultures. It works, at least for some time, because it taps into a deep evolutionary principle that when there is threat, people want strong rules and autocratic leaders. So the relationship between culture and politics can go in either direction. So we've talked about this ad nauseum. Anytime we bring up uh, a Chinese-produced film, We're always quick to say, look, there's going to be a section in there because it's just part of that movie where China as a government is going to try and influence its culture directly. And it's pushing its philosophy through its film, its culture. Right. And every Chinese production has to meet a set of standards that propagate that government view. Right. And push it forward. That's just how it works. You watch a Donnie Yen film. You watch a Jack, Jackie Chan film. The last like five, ten years, anything comes out of China. What you'll usually find is it usually comes with a historical uh, backdrop because those are safer elements versus putting mm-hmm. it in current view. And there's always going to be a section that's like, "Look, the government's really good for you. China's really good for you, right?" So, I I have this question. Marvel specifically has come up under attack from some, uh, let's say influencers, politicians, everybody else, uh, and Hollywood in general has always come under attack where it's basically saying it's trying to influence culture and politics as a result of its content and its messaging. So my question is, do you think when looking at China and what the government is doing and its playbook do you think Hollywood is copying that model to a certain degree via the superhero genre or film in general and and trying to influence its politics through its storytelling and influence the culture through the superhero genre and and maybe specifically Marvel because it's come under fire because of its TV shows and its and its movies? So i want to start with you, Jose. I know that's a lot to digest <laughs> and not everybody was prepared for this question. What? But uh, I I just kind of would like your knee-jerk reaction to that, because I think this has come up a few times where a lot of people have said, hey, I'm starting to have a problem with some of these superhero films, especially in the Marvel category, because they're feeling really preachy. And when you look at some of its scripting and its messaging and everybody else, it very much feels... (laughs) like some of this playbook of we've got to influence culture and by influence culture will influence politics.
1: Well, I, so specifically talking about like Marvel, I don't know, well, first of all, thank God we live in a country where it's not like China and yes. things have to be reviewed by the government for 1, its thousand like, percent, you know, government message. Hallelujah. Um, but Hollywood has, you know, it's always been, I think the words liberal bastion has always been sort of like bandied about. And I, with the Marvel films, at least when they first started, they were comic book based, they were entertainment, but there was always a liberal and a progressive thread through it. Right. And just as the other movies started to come up, we got captain Marvel. We had other, you know, um, other heroes coming to the fore. Um, they bolstered a lot of those progressive liberal ideas like, you know, refugeeism, um, you know, looking at immigrants. That was a huge thing in Captain Marvel. And if you missed that and thought it was all just about a woke, like, female superhero, you are not alive. That's a great point. Times. Yeah. Um, uh and they And they, I think a lot of it has, it's it certainly influencing culture in the respect of you know, we have our differences, we have the things we're going through, and even though somebody may be completely different or not in your, you know, normal reign or purview or perspective, you should respect that, and then they can be a force to be reckoned with if they're somehow disrespected, right? I think that's that's like a thread running through a lot of the Marvel films is, you know, we're all different, but we have a lot of commonalities, and if we shun there can be chaos or, or or disaster. Um it's interesting that some of the newer Marvel films now are bringing in geopolitics. Um so Black Black Panther Wakanda Forever there was a thing in there about um different countries sort of competing for, you know, the uh now I can't even think of the material. Um Vib- not very yeah, the vibranium. I'm sorry. Um, and so there's this um, backdrop of a, like a political struggle between countries. And even Black Adam has that to some extent. Black Adam well. touches
3: on it. it. It doesn't really do anything with it, but they make a couple of comments about, oh, all of a sudden, another country yes. is
1: interested in what goes on in this country, right? Right. Um, and so I think that, it, it, but in general film, especially in America, it's always been a mirror to society. Um And just to bring up a point, you know, Gina Carano was in the Star Wars, um, the Star Wars television shows, and she caught a lot of flack for her conservative views and some of the things, admittedly unwise things that maybe she was posting, or at least they were posted without the lens of this is why I'm posting them. Um, And to be sure, she and some other outfits have now put out these more conservative type movies that have the conservative values um i have yet to watch one of those um but i am curious to sort of see how it stacks up with the liberal bastion of like superhero movies and other you know stuff that we're watching in in particular in television there is a lot more politicization politicization i probably got that wrong um in television i mean just watch a gray's anatomy i mean it's very liberal and it's in it's like views and what what it's essentially forcing the viewer to see. Um, but anyway, that's my take. And I've I've talked way too long.
3: No, no, no. It's, <laughs> it's good. It's a good view. What, what What's your take on this, Brad?
0: Well, I mean, in the context of the films, it would be weird as a society if a purple dude came down and destroyed half of the population and then we still fought. Between different races on the planet Earth, you know, like at some point in time, you see a big purple alien and you're like, yeah, but I like that guy because he's from the Middle East. Like it just doesn't make sense anymore Um, (laughs) because we've obviously opened that uh, that that gate of of there's other things out there. Um, But I think I mean, art has always done that you look back at at like with Nixon and then the conspiracy theory films coming in after that and the anti-Vietnam films and anti-war films. And like we've, this isn't a new phenomenon. Like I I don't understand when people get all up, up in arms about films. It's like, have you ever watched a film from the seventies? Like they were doing that stuff. Hardcore. Um, Look at JFK. Like, like all these films that have come out in the past. It's like, this isn't new to me. Um, but that's what happens when you let big companies become even bigger. They have such a big uh, influence on society. And if they deem um, things important, they will find a way to make you or push you in that direction of making them important. Now I'm not looking at Disney for my moral compass. Like I, you know, cool. I am glad that, you know, at at one point in time that uh, Chadwick Boseman was one of the biggest actors in the world. I'm totally fine with that. Like, you know, in, in, I don't, I I just, I don't know, man. Like I, I, I'm not looking for film to, to give me like my, my moral, my morals and and my activism, but sure. I'm sure some people are heavily influenced by it, but I mean, hell look at star Wars. Like, you know, it's, it's always been there. It's always been um, film has always been in a way, trying to steer us in a more progressive way because, you know, a lot of our, a lot of the films that we had grow up on, it's like looking at the future and all this stuff. And like in the future, are we going to like, I don't know, look, look weird on like interracial relationships and stuff like it? It doesn't seem that way. We have flying cars now. Like, of course that's going to fix everything, you know? Like, right. So I, I don't know, man. It's, I think it's just a thing now where there's so much politicization everywhere. Like you can't even watch goddamn football without, you know, stuff being politicized. So it's just everywhere. And at some point in time, people will move on to something else or they'll, it just, it gets people riled up and that's why people do it. I mean. And look, Disney is definitely guilty of it, but I don't know if they're trying to shape the culture of the the United States. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I say that as someone who doesn't really care about their message. Um, but yeah,
4: okay. What what? Where's what's your take on it, John? Um, so my take is first, I'm wondering, you know, with regards to China, and, and you're right, the movies and how they have these little expositions of how great the government is. Um, I wonder if all those people they welded shut inside their homes during COVID really saw those movies to hear how <laughs> how great the government is and how great it is. I think they him? heard it. I don't think they agree with it because there's a lot you of protests
3: going on right now.
4: <laughs> yeah, exactly right. I mean, yes, it's always been there. Right? There's always been subtext and um, underlying stories of, you know, you know, one morality or one political slant or another. I think what's, what I've been noticing myself is just more uh, proselytizing. You know what I mean? It's like if you don't if you don't watch this show and you don't love it, you're gonna go to hell. And you hate men or you hate women. You know what I mean? I yeah. can't, you can't do that. I mean, in a great example, uh, the Charlie's uh, Charlie's Angel movie came out.
3: Oh, careful. You know, Rose careful. loves
4: that film. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying anything bad about the film, but the messaging right before it comes out is, uh, if you're a man, don't come watch this movie. It's not for you. And then a couple of weeks later, because it's not doing well at the box office, there's another story. Charlie's Angels is failing at the box office because men won't watch it. Which <sighs> is
3: it? i think you've yeah, talked about right. this at um at one point
1: on watch get plus
3: right jose We
1: did. i did yeah i did because okay <laughs> uh, elizabeth banks had given an, uh, an interview and by the same token also the movie bros which was uh touted as the first studio gay film it was not the first studio no. gay film but it failed and then the creator billy eichner comes out and says I blame it on straight people for not coming to the theaters. Right. Maybe your movie fucking sucks. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Heaven forbid
4: your movie just might suck. Right. And that's right. and that's what I think they're just they're totally missing over the point. You know, it's trying to like I, I try to explain to my kids, right? You know, um, this whole nowadays, what it's coming down to is tribalism, right? You know, my tribe's greater and we're the better ones, so you gotta stick with this. Um, but I try to tell them and teach them, like, look, you don't ever, you know, don't 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 force yourself into a camp because I'm the person who says I listen and I agree with some stuff on the left and I agree with some stuff on the right. That's what makes me what I call myself as an American, right? Because I like to listen and and balance those viewpoints, right, to form my own. But when you have companies – and let's stick with Disney, right? Because this is the last company that should really be throwing out morals uh, or or stories about morality, especially when they have – you know. Um, issues at their theme parks with um, let's just say um, people who like kids too much (gasps) Uh, or those people on their cruise lines who really like the kids when they're alone in an elevator. You know what I mean? Let's just stop with that stuff because when they have teams of writers who put out a show like She-Hulk, I'm a huge She-Hulk fan. No interest in watching that show. I caught some clips and you know, I, I I caught the one clip where she's she's berating, you know, Bruce Banner about, oh, you don't know what it's like to be cat called and deal with that stress all the other. I'm like, lady, Bruce Banner's dad beat his mom in front of him and killed him. And you're talking about he doesn't understand pain? I mean, come on. I mean, I'll always say it right, if if the morality or or the the, the preachiness is woven into the story and it's a good story. I, I don't care. Right. But if it comes out, like, you know, let's turn to the back, you know, let's turn let's open the book of, you know, uh, what's happening now, you know, verse 12 passage seven and consume now can't do it. Can't do it. Give me a story. Give me a story And Hollywood. Yes. Their stories are trying to shape minds in the terms of, and this is just my opinion, my opinion alone. Their stories are more so, I'm saying nowadays, of we're pushing this on you, accept it, or else you're a bad person. And I, I can't I can't go along with that. Uh, so this
3: is why I exactly asked that question, is because I, I know the three of you, and I know there would be a different view on this take, because superhero films, surprise, if you had asked me growing up reading Howard the Duck, or The Defenders, or Weird War Tales, if I would ever live in a time where somebody would take that character and next thing you know, I would read news about it, She-Hulk specifically, because uh, I used to collect the She-Hulk comic. But I, if I ever thought at any point in time that She-Hulk would come under fire and be politicized in that medium, 10-year-old Troy would be like, A, I don't know, understand what that means, but <laughs> B, it, it blows my mind that these characters and these franchises – Ended up getting a target in some fashion because of how they were released in the world and how other people kind of chose to to I don't know a point of view on them and say well it's 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 too progressive or it's too conservative or this side or the other. I, I I would take a step back and my view on it is <laughs> I think Brad's right. This has always been around like oh, yeah. subversion in film has always been there. Uh, messaging has always been there. You, it it you doesn't
0: make, you don't make art without having a message. Yes.
3: Yeah. And, yeah. and we kind of talked about this a little bit ad nauseum between film, movies, etc. cetera. I, I think what's happening though, and it's a little bit of maybe what you've said, John, even what you said, Jose, once the film gets released, it's, n- there are two problems I have sometimes with films is either your messaging because of your script writing is so overt and clunky that it feels like Chinese propaganda, although we're not in China. Like I got it. I, hey, look, that section of raging fire feels just like this section of she Hulk or feels just like this section of Thor. And, and uh, look, I understood to me, that's just bad script writing. Yeah. Um. But then the other thing is once it's out in the public, then being judged on whether or not you like it for the content of the film ends up uh making you into a good or bad person like that's what i've seen a little bit more of this year probably the more year than any year and that kind of bothers me a little bit well i
0: I think we also have to back up the train when it comes to some of this stuff like we we use twitter as like everybody yeah twitter like i think only like 10 percent of people are, are active on twitter and so when there's all this uproar about stuff and we're like, oh, you know, all this woke culture and stuff, that's a very small population. It's, of it's not who, even the
3: Twitter for me. It's the, it's the news in general, or it's the articles that come out. Yeah,
0: But when it starts trending and all that, like, that's where that Twitter, the trending stuff now has become like, oh, this is what we talk about on the news because it's trending on Twitter.
3: It, it, I don't, I don't think Twitter drives anything outside of a segment or a channel of communication. I, I think we've all experienced this in some regard of talking about whatever it is that we love, be it a particular franchise, a character, or or something. I mean, Jennifer Lawrence came under fire over saying she was the first female action hero. And I, and I know that's not what she meant. No, that's what she meant. But she, you know, <laughs> somebody <laughs> no. took that and ran with it. Um but I, I think we as a, as a people within the culture have gotten to this point that it doesn't matter if it's Twitter, Facebook, a social media platform news, a conversation. It's really come down to if, if you take the movie or the book or the TV show or whatever it is, the comic book, as a piece of art and trying to dissect it, whether or not you liked it or didn't like it, et cetera. But then pointing out that, hey, look, I, I think – I think this messaging that's there is kind of clunky, like it doesn't feel organic. Um, that becomes a little bit of a oh, well, therefore you might be put into this camp of thinking different than what the messaging is trying to provide, and you're like, no, it's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying their delivery sucks. Um, the messaging's good, but their delivery is crap.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost to the point now where the lost art of understanding that true two truths can happen at the same time, right? Like, I, I see the morality, but at the same time, uh, like you said, the delivery sucks, okay? So there's two truths going on, but as you say, you know, now all of a sudden it goes back to that, you know, again, tribalism. Well, you got you to gotta accept how I think about it or else you're, you know, X, Y, or Z camp.
3: Possibly. I, I don't know. I mean, Jose and I talked a little bit about last, uh, last night we were in DC and I just brought up yeah. the, the subject and you, you just had this reaction like, oh my gosh, like that. I get, I get the reaction from some people when you talk about this mm-hmm. and you see the headlines or Brad to your point in Twitter. Some people are like, Ooh, I don't know if you want to talk about that because it has become a little bit of a, of a hot topic. Where it's really hard to gauge some of the medium because of maybe the fervor that's brought up behind it to a certain degree. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Uh, Totally. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Like, I think, uh, look at, I mean, look at all of us, right? We're on a podcast, right? Mm -hmm. And yet we're also. sort of have that fear that we're going to say something and then somebody's going to hear the podcast and suddenly we're going to get canceled or we're going to be lumped into like a camp or whatever. But, you know, I, in a way I blame the politicians, uh, for creating this sort of crazy fervor because, you know, we could have a movie like romper stomper, which opens with, you know, uh, Russell Crowe as a skinhead beating down a Vietnamese couple, right. And yet people still watched it and formed an opinion about it and had a nice discussion about it. There's none of that nowadays. You know, the, that's true. The minute, you the, can't elicit minute,
0: any sort of reaction that is that was is thought provoking anymore.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I hate to say this. I don't support the man either. But, you know, somebody mentions Trump and immediately you will be categorized. Yeah. Right. Uh, and it's yeah. And that's not and. And no one ever hears the two sides of anything anymore. It's either, I don't want to hear that, click, shut off, you know, or whatever, yeah. um, or they shot you down and they're just like, you know, yeah. call you racist. Let me it's tell you about the flat earth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, so the flat,
4: the earth is flat. Okay. Well, so follow, follow me here. I think I explained this to Troy, right?
3: Oh, you did. And I was I was three sheets to the
4: wind when you did. And you had me going for a second. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Earth is covered 70% by water, correct?
0: Oh, God, here you go.
4: That water is flat. So hence the earth is flat. So never mind. (laughs) (laughs) yeah but no i mean you're you're exactly (laughs) right jose and i think it it was interesting i was listening to to bill maher hey look when you're
3: drunk that logic makes sense and then you're like oh my god there is flat and then when you're telling your wife that and your wife's like you're an idiot you're an idiot there you go
4: (laughs) exactly (laughs) but i was listening i was listening to bill maher um the other day and or a clip of bill maher and i i think he summed it up best you know with more current times right um there are just too many emotional hemophiliacs Right, that yeah. the minute something happens that hurts their feelings or makes them cringe, that's it. They shut off because you know they're afraid of bleeding out. Whatever, you know what I mean. It, it's the the days of taking a risk, opening your mind, and and, and you know, just listening, reading, or watching something that you're not used to, and that could make you uncomfortable. Um, and and taking away some lessons. Or different viewpoints, or even a better understanding of something that you weren't, you know, you had an idea of but weren't quite sure of. That's kind. Of, that's kind of like gone nowadays, you know. Because yeah, it'll record. come back. Everything it, it I, will. It will. Yeah, I, I do believe so. I do believe so. But you know, it's we're at just that, in this overcorrection period right now. Exactly right. Right, and that's yeah. where the, that's the crisis moment, that crisis point that something has to happen where people are like, you know, what these last twenty years we've been really freaking stupid. All right time out. Let's start over guys. Come on. Because, you know, any country that comes together and works together always comes out ahead. And that's where we're totally away from that nowadays. I I think Brad nailed it.
3: Like uh, overcorrection is certainly here. I think it, I think it does make it easier to spot when it's done in these superhero. I mean, you're talking about people that can fly, have superpowers, all this other stuff. When you start interjecting that overcorrection It is super obvious, Mm -hmm. but I do think if, if, if if anybody were to come to me and go, you could take raging fire, you could take some of these, these Chinese productions and take these segments out and line them up to anything that Marvel DC or any of these things have come, I'd be like, I a hundred percent agree with you. I I think both scenarios are playing from the same playbook that they understand the influence of culture and politics and they understand that they can't make influences I think it kind of comes down to how good are you at making it organic and making it a grain into the story. Brad and I just got done um, talking with the the VHS files podcast guys uh, on the film, the last dragon, which is personally one of my favorites. Yes. And we both kind of conceded and Brad, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think the VHS files guys picked up on this, but one of the things that I had pointed out was that film in terms of social messaging is one of the best at it, because if you take a step back and look at what it was talking about in terms of different cultures and different personalities, adopting other cultures and personalities, and not just in a, in a fascination way, but in a very positive way. The last dragon just plays with all these stereotypes and turns it on yep. top of, it, of its head and has this really cool vibe to it that, um, really kind of exemplifies America, New York city yep. and, and kind of what we stand for. And, and sort of the benefit of all of that coming together. but it doesn't it in such a way that it doesn't feel um very uh, obtrusive or in your face. it's very subtle or uh, preachy yeah or, or very preachy. and <laughs> I, I think a lot of people, a lot of screenwriters today should go back and watch the last dragon and go that that's that's how you do it um yeah. I, I think it's kind of a talent thing,
4: yeah, and especially take like you said, I mean it, it's so subtle, but when you stop and you know analyze it I mean you look at the end of last dragon. It's a beautiful end in the sense that look at all the folks, you know, positive vibe at the end of the movie. Where are they all at? They're all in seventh heaven. Seventh heaven. You know Which I mean?
3: Brad and I agreed was probably the best song out of the entire soundtrack. Vanity. Give me that vanity. Yeah. Well, hey, yes, let's yes. let's
1: talk about a film. That f- oh, go ahead. I was just going to say that film was inclusive and diverse before there was an executive memo that said, make your films inclusive and diverse. Oh, my God. That's a good point. Yes, uh, it is. I, I agree. hundred percent.
3: I wish it we is. had, I wish we had articulated it that way. Jose, you should have <laughs> been on for us. We
4: were hey, like, duh, it's really good. <laughs> yeah. Send him a tweet with that. Hey, correction. <laughs> well,
3: let's, let's talk about a film that probably has none of this politics and showboating uh, going on. Morbius,
0: Brad, uh, I got a theory, but we'll you go. have a theory.
3: Okay. Hey, look, I'm ready to get into Ooh. it. So let's, let's, let's take a ride in the time machine. Go back when Morbius was first released. How did it do Brad?
0: Yeah, so Morbius released April 1st, 2022. If there was a film that needed to be released on April Fool's Day, it is Morbius. (laughs) Um, But it was also released, Choi, June 3rd, 2022. Uh We'll get to My birthday. Yeah, happy birthday. It was my birthday movie. Here's Morbius uh, with a budget of $83 million, which I found to be kind of small for this film. Like, yeah.
3: no, But, it, I, I just but think, is it I just small think, for that character, though?
0: But you just don't make a superhero film for less than $100 million now. It just seems yeah. absurd that That's you true. would. That's true. Um, domestically makes $73.8 million. Ouch. Ouch. It makes another $93.5 million internationally for $167.4 You also have to ter- take into play this film... Um, it was supposed to be released like four times. So every time the release date would come up, you spin up the marketing and the advertising cycle. So when we say 2x on this one for marketing and stuff, it might not be enough because you're spinning that stuff up every time that new release date's coming it got up. got
3: bumped around quite a bit. And then yeah. there were reshoots and everything else. Yep. So. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, opening weekend, it makes $39 million. Which you're saying, wow, thirty nine million dollars and it and it grosses seventy three point eight domestically. What happened? Well, Troy, it has seventy four percent drop off between week one and week two. Is the biggest superhero drop off of all time behind Steel? Steel? Shaq- oh, wait, Umeel Shaq? Movie. Steel? Yes. Oh, yeah. So okay. it dropped up seventy four percent. Like that's unheard of. We we clutch our pearls when it's like 62%.
3: We're like, yeah. wow, that's a huge drop.
1: 74%. It's bombing. It's okay. yes, well, yeah. when,
3: when Brad says we clutch our pearls, that's the finance guys and the risk guys are like, oh
5: my God,
0: oh, oh we're to lose yeah. money. This is, this is bad. Um, yeah, so word of mouth on this one, probably not the best. Usually um, when your drop-off is um, that substantial, it's people saying, look, don't go see it. It sucks. Um, but, ye, but yeah. Um, critically, Troy,
3: Oh, is, this was a hit, I bet.
0: Uh, Morbius sits at a 15% with Ooh. the critics
3: Ooh.
0: and a 71% with the audience. But we have to remember. Jose people, voted a lot. People <laughs> sort of memed this one up uh, to get it re-released.
3: Um, Can you explain yeah. the memed release? So, I, I, it, this fascinates me.
0: It's Morbin Time um, was a was a big <laughs> thing on Twitter and around the internet, um, I, I am no internet expert, Troy, but it just, a bunch of nerds got together and said, Hey, let's tweet at Sony about, uh, about this film and how much we love it. And so what Sony did is they said,
3: okay, we'll release it again on another thousand screens. Okay. Time out. So Sony saw <laughs> the box office. So they saw the box office, the initial release. Mm-hmm. Then they, they said, s-
0: well, maybe, maybe people missed out on it. The first time they want, uh, they want to see it again. Oh, now, okay. all these significant drops between week to week. Is it that the movie sucks? It's just, I don't know. People are busy. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Um. So on on June 3rd of 2022, they release it in a thousand theaters. Um. And it grosses just a little bit less than $300,000 for that weekend, which is a per Ugh. theater, per theater, not per screen, per theater average, mm, which yikes. should be much higher than per screen. Two hundred and eighty-nine dollars per theater. Oh my god! Per theater, two hundred. Oh, ow! If we went to the movies together, we would have been like fifty percent of that for one of the theaters. Oh my um, god!
1: Okay, yeah, that yeah. that was probably the catering budget for Avengers Endgame.
0: Yeah, yeah. So then Sony then pull, for the pulled it again. Alone. They had to tuck their uh, tuck their uh, tails between their legs and go home for a second time. Ugh. Oh, boy, Troy, <clears throat> the Christians, they oh. have such a review for this film. I, I, I have to say, I don't give them credit often. This uh, subtitle for Morbius is pretty good. It is Morbius. This vampire movie takes decaf. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? What does that mean? I, I don't know. <laughs> it sounds amazing, though. It takes decaf. Okay, yep, It takes decaf. All right. Okay. Can we guess? Can we guess the rating? For those who don't know, uh, Movie Guide is a Christian website that reviews films not for their quality, but for their content. And they use a plus four to minus four scale, plus four being the most heavenly, and uh, minus four being the most blood sucking vampire you've ever seen. So, gentlemen, what is everyone's guess? Jose, you are first.
1: Minus three.
4: Okay. John, John. 10%.
1: 10%.
4: <laughs> 10%. What? No. <laughs> I'm sticking with the Baptists here. Come on. <laughs> uh,
3: uh I'm going, I'm going uh negative three as well. Okay.
0: It is minus two, which what? I would have guessed minus three is a well. vampire. Yeah. I know. It's a vampire. Right. The undead. 10%, 10%. <clears throat> I was right.
5: <laughs> All right.
0: <laughs> Let's go on a content journey here. Light humanistic. Worldview with one or two references to evolution, they didn't know. They have like, where's the pagan matter.
3: worldview? Comment, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, some moral uh, elements about stopping the villain's murder spree and finding medical cures. I thought Christians didn't like medical cures, um, just pray it away. Uh, plus, police in movie are admirable public servants, <laughs> Wait, so, what? so police are good and they're not beating up on black people, so it's a good good thing. Um, Foul language, thirteen obscenities, uh, mostly S and H words, and one F word. People drink blood, and one person tastes blood. Ah, that seems it's weird. about vampires. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> violence, strong, intense, sometimes scary violence, such as a, uh, a seru- uh, such as a serum turns scientist into a blood a bloodthirsty super vampire who attacks and kills some men with guns. Try to shoot him dead. But the scientist Dead. finds a moral way to stop his bloodlust temporarily. Scientist friend takes the serum against the scientist's advice and starts killing spree. The two friends have multiple intense battles with one another. During one such battle, the scientist friends slaughter several police officers in cold blood. Villain kills a doctor trying to help him. Villain fatally shoots another character. Police starts kicking. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to say this but I I wouldn't say this this way but bullies start kicking a young crippled boy but a man stops them.
3: Yeah, okay. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> no sex or sexual immorality, but it's implied the murderous uh villain vampire uh but okay, but rather than with some neat I'm I'm um, gonna offer you some crazy yeah.
3: you need to clean this shit up yeah, before it's, you it's read right. it. okay
0: <laughs> we're just gonna skip. nudity upper male nudity in some scenes, alcohol use, no alcohol use, smoking, no smoking or drugs. Um then miscellaneous immortality. <laughs> woman lies to woman lies to police to protect her close friend. A man steals a serum that turns him into a blood, uh thirsty super vampire. They've already said that. But unlike his scientist friend, this man has every intention of hedonistically enjoying his new bloodthirst uh, vampire lifestyle. Yeah, hedonistically, use that one. All right, get Um, it. And then we talked about films in April um, last week, so we won't go over that. Minus two, Troy.
3: Okay, vampire film to the Christians is minus two. And and what was, which is weird to me. What what was the budget on this? Eighty six. Eighty-three. Oh, eighty-three million. So, uh, I actually find that to be appropriate given the character they're talking about, which is uh, I don't I don't know this a D list character. I don't even think it's a B list. I think no D is, D as oh, in D. Dig. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, John, real quick, give us a little bit of history on more because you have uh, followed this character because I know you collected a lot of horror comics in the seventies and we've had this discussion before I DC's weird war that that's where I was in the seventies was not um, a fan of anything Marvel horror related until man thing gave us Howard the duck. And then I didn't even read man thing and went to Howard the duck, (laughs) but Morbius as a, as a D right as in duck uh, list character It seems like they wouldn't spend a big budget on this, um, but what is the history of Morbius from a comic book perspective?
4: So full disclosure, yeah, um, I followed Morbius early on, but I kind of lost track of him because um, just going through the comic book industry industry trend, um, I just stopped reading a lot of stuff um, in the 90s, you know, off and on, ebb and flow. Um, But Morbius was introduced in 1971 um, by writer Roy Thomas and the great Gil Kane. And he was developed because Stanley had the great idea that, um, oh, I want Spider Man to fight Dracula. Oh, Oh. Spider Man, yeah, (laughs) Um, that sounds cool on paper, yeah. I'm in on paper, it sounds cool, right? Here's the problem um, in the time they were trying to put him to print, um, the comics, the comic book code authority came out with some revised rules. Um, <clears throat> which kind of which which basically said, uh, you can only use vampires, werewolves, and Frankenstein monsters only if you're gonna respect their historical fantasy characterization. Basically, they were saying if you were gonna do a vampire, you had to do it like you know, like like way back when, you know, just to let you know. So um Stanley came back and said, you know what, um ours is gonna have a uh he's gonna be a villain. And he's going to have a superhero outfit, which, you know, opposite ends attract. But um, the, the the real interesting thing that I found out was digging around a little bit. Um, the look of Morbius um, in the comic books, um, they based uh, his look off of a very young Jack Palance. Oh, from Jack Palance? Jack Palance. Yeah, he was a handsome stud back in the day. Um, but anyway, <clears throat> so he was introduced with Spider-Man uh, issue number one zero one. The cover is, if you everyone, anyone looks it up, um, Morbius is basically pimp slapping Spider-Man. And yeah, the basic story is um, he just he's there to destroy Spider-Man because he thinks Spider-Man's blood could actually cure him of his vampirism. Well, the whole backstory to his vampirism, and this is where I'll talk about it a little bit later, his vampirism or his type of vampirism came about because they kind of got that right in the movie. Right. He had some kind of rare blood disorder and he was born in Greece. He had this disorder and he he took the serum, but it wasn't quite working. So he had his 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 best friend. uh, You say, you know, shoot some electricity through me. That'll help jumpstart the serum. And when he did that, well, lo and behold, did the opposite of what he was hoping for. Basically t- turned him into like a pseudo vampire. Wait, so, so he's Greek? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Michael Morbius was born in Greece. Yes. Huh. There you go. The land of Uzo for all you people who need <laughs> a drink. Yeah. So it
3: sounds more like a Frankenstein, um, mad scientist so, origin yeah. story. Okay. So,
4: and this is the issue where, I, if anyone get you know, really knows Spider Man, this, this is the issue where Spider Man has six arms, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yep. Oh, right. so yeah. Working, I remember
0: that from the cartoon,
4: yeah. So he was working, the, and he, he appeared in the cartoon, mm-hmm. um, he was working with Kurt Connors, and you know, they gave a little bit of the backstory. And this is where we'll talk about it later, too, you know, um. Uh, his love interest his friends some of the scenes he basically at the end he's he fights spider-man and, and the lizard um after the lizard had somehow gotten some of his um uh, blood or I can't, I can't remember blood or saliva or something they use like a ray gun i think it was a ray gun no it was a serum oh. Oh, okay uh, it cured spider-man but then morbius disappeared now here's the, here's the interesting thing that i really did not know about morbius so i was i was having some fun doing a little research morbius throughout marvel's comic run um actually appeared in a lot of places and he was an interdimensional traveler um which if anyone saw the post-credit scenes kind of makes a little sense now why that showed up okay um he also um this was the really interesting part because i and i still have to get my hands i ordered the book because i i couldn't believe it when i read it um Morbius is the progenitor of Blade. Oh yeah, no, I knew that because I. No, nah, no. Nah. But here's the thing: uh, according to other people, uh, Marvel changed back and said, "No, no, 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 that's not really canon anymore." Even though in Peter Park in 1999's Peter Parker Spectacular Spider Man issue number eight, it shows Morbius biting Blade. Oh, hmm.
3: yeah, I, I had it, read that somewhere that he was the quote unquote creator of Blade. Yeah, but then when Blade became popular, they, they redid his all origin, yeah. right? Yeah, okay. yeah,
4: because yeah, he wanted to be a Domfier or something like that. Um, and another interesting tidbit in the actual, the real movie Blade with Wesley Snipes, you guys should everyone should everyone should see it. Um, there was an alternative ending where uh, they never specifically called his name out, but there was a likeness of Morbius at the very end. That was mm. like one of the endings, but they scrapped that ending. Um, because they wanted uh, Blade 2 to be more about uh, Morbius and Blade partnering up to f- do that sequel. The reason why is because in the comics, Morbius actually teams up with Man-Thing, Man-Wolf, Ghost Rider. Um, he, he, there was a series called The Legion of Monsters. Mm, yes. A little bit like that. Um, there was also in the old run of the uh, it's the She Hulk comics, but it was called uh, Savage She Hulk. Um, she actually helped She Hulk with a serum he developed, um, so that she could change at will, right? That was the real cool part about She Hulk, and she in turn became his lawyer because he was facing some murder charges and stuff like that.
3: <laughs> Wait, whoa, well, um, She Hulk was Morbius's attorney,
4: yeah, yeah. much was yeah. her retainer. <laughs> yeah. um, she explained all the cat calling and stuff how scarred her but anyway um he's he's done a lot of various team-ups in the comic books um especially with spider-man there was um another run um where he teams up with spider-man to take down carnage i forget the name off the top of my head but he for a d-list character he was he was stretched and used in quite some in, in a lot of interesting storylines like uh the midnight Suns. i don't i mean there's a mm-hmm. video game coming out for that right but there's the comic series called midnight Suns with ghost Rider and stuff like that um it, it's really interesting um, a lot of the backstory and what i found fascinating when i re-watched morbius after i had done all this research um how the movie made a lot a lot more sense to me why they shot it the way they shot it
3: so he the the whole intent of this film, along with some of the choices made in Spider-Man in the Venom series, is eventually Sony, and I don't know if this is still the case, but they want to go to a Sinister, sinister Six, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yes. Got it. And the Sinister Six is composed of who, John?
4: Oh, gosh. You would have uh, Rhino, uh, Vulture, uh, Mysterio, Sandman. Hydro
1: Doc, Ock. Doc Ock? Uh, was Doc Ock part of the Sinister Six? Maybe not. Yeah. Oh, we...
4: um, um, Lightning Guy, Bolt, or what's his name? Electro? Shocker, Shocker, and Electro. Yes,
0: Electro. Yeah,
3: Shocker,
4: Electro, Shocker, Shocker, Shocker. <laughs> Shocker.
3: <laughs> this is gonna turn into gentleman's guide real quick.
4: Yeah.
3: Um, <laughs> okay. Well, let's talk about the people behind. You do not kid. want to spell Shocker's finger. Sorry. <laughs> oh my! God. You know, you could have just let it go, Brad.
1: I, I or understand. is that his Shocker's pinky? Oh,
3: well, I Jesus. said finger.
0: I mean, your pinky's a finger. <laughs> I, oh, hey, Troy. I'm allowed to make that joke because this goddamn movie makes that joke too. So, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> there is a stinky
3: pinky joke in this movie so there
0: (laughs) is in fact
3: a stinky pinky
1: joke
0: i'm totally within my my bounds to make that joke
3: okay okay no 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 not gonna question you brad you would pick up on that jose talk about Mm. the people behind the camera
1: and before i do that um john is right morbius was spread around like like a two dollar anyway yeah um (laughs) But he he effectively fronted, like, two different, like, legions of monsters slash, uh, like, superheroes in some ways. He's hooked up with, like, Doctor Strange and the Fantastic Four. Oh, yeah, Doctor um, And then they even had, like, uh, Marvel even had its own sort of version of, like, Buffy the Vampire Slayer meets, like, a descendant of... Uh, whoever the, what's the name of the big vampire. Look, look, folks don't listen to this
3: hogwash. If you, if you want to go down the comics (laughs) venue of going, man, I'd really like creatures to get together and go on an adventure. Then all you need is creature commandos. So just seek out creature commandos. You're fine. Oh yeah. There you
1: go. I'm just saying at the end of eternals with the sword and the introduction of blade, I'm really hoping that Blade, strange and Morbius end up in a film together. I think that would be incredible. Yeah, what would be incredible is a creature commandos movie. But go on. <laughs> okay, so behind the camera, let's start. Let's start with some illustrious producers. I'm talking about Avi Arad. Now, he is a prolific Israeli producer. He and a gentleman named Isaac Pearl Muter worked for a company called Toy Biz, and in fact, Arad was the CEO of that. He actually invented toys. Um, now, like toys Marvel, in general. Wow. Some, not That's all That's impressive. Toys, some, sorry. <laughs> wow, yes. <laughs> this guy. He invented toys. <laughs> all toys, people. All toys. Um, at some point, Marvel acquired Toy Biz, um, but the issue is that in 96, they declared bankruptcy. And there was a huge battle between Perlmutter and Rod versus Ron Perelman and Carl Icahn. These are names in the trades and the industries that most people would – some people would know about. Anyway – they wrestled control of Marvel um, after the bankruptcy and Avi Rod became the CEO and obtained, they obtained all the rights to obviously the Marvel characters. Um, So effectively he has previously worked with Stanley and Kevin Feige, and he's had a producer credit on nearly every non Marvel studios or Sony picture studio film based on a Marvel comics property. Stretching from 1998's Blade all the way up to 2007's Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Server. So, this also includes the Dolph Lundgren Punisher, which is amazing. It's oh, that, yeah. that movie's amazing. Yep, yeah, yeah, good. Now, at some point, Arad stepped down from being CEO of, of Marvel, he was CEO of Marvel and he ran Marvel Studios. He stepped down to become an independent filmmaker. Um, his Animation company had produced Bratz, the Bratz movie, which is really big with little girls. I don't know if you guys know what Bratz is, but um, my niece loved Bratz. Um, I lived through the Bratz and, phase, yes. yes. Uh, not me personally. <laughs> I had a daughter that did, but
4: yeah. That's a lie. But then, <laughs>
1: but then he, he eventually moved over to Sony, where he worked with Amy Pascal and helped to produce The Amazing Spider-Man and Amazing Spider-Man 2. Those are the Garfield, the Andrew Garfield um, Spider-Mans. And then he has also been a producer for Venom and the new Spider-Man in conjunction with another producer on this movie, Matt Tolmach. Tolmach is arguably the architect of the Spider-Man franchise and the offshoot of the Spider-Man villains franchise that being Venom and of course, Morbius. Um, he, Matt Tolmach has also rebooted the Jumanji movies for Sony and produced films like rough night and freaks of nature, which is actually pretty good. uh, starring my future husband, Nick Braun, <laughs> <laughs> um, other, how other many future husbands are, do you have? Like eight. <laughs> I have a million of them actually. Okay. Um, Uh, Jared Leto is also an executive producer on this. Curiously enough, an associate producer is Pietro Scalia. We will get to him later. Um, Another producer is Lucas Foster. He's worked a lot with The Scots, meaning Ridley and Tony Scott. We're talking producing Man of Fire, Crimson Tide, um, a bunch of other um, uh, Scott films. Also recently produced Ford versus Ferrari. Uh, This film has been written. And I think this is where all the pre-release poo-pooing of this film went. They are written, it is written by the, the writing partners of Matt Sazama and Burke Sharpless. Now, why would people hate Matt Sazama and Burke Sharpless? Well, here is their resume. (laughs) They wrote, they wrote Dracula Untold, The Last Witch Hunter, Gods of Egypt, and the Power Rangers reboot. So I think again, Boy. people were like, "Wait, those are our writers. This movie is fucked." But <laughs> that said, but that said, I Jose, love you love their gods writing. of you love gods of Egypt. I was going to say, Jose, you I love, love all of those told. films. I love all. Yeah. I yeah. loved all of them. actually. Yeah. Um, but more importantly, Susana I kind of like Sharp, gods of Egypt too. <laughs> I kind of liked it too. It's, you know, <laughs> I kind of like, Sazama and Sharpless. If anything, they sort of sort of redeem themselves because they are also known for developing creating and writing and eping the reboot of lost in space which had three seasons on netflix actually a really 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 good show if if you haven't checked it out for whatever reasons i think it died from the pop culture zeitgeist the first season came out and then people were just like we are moving on um nonetheless our director is Daniel Espinoza. Check out this combination. He's Swedish and Chilean, hails from Stockholm. He is probably best known for, and if you all have never watched these films, you must get on them, the Snabba Cash trilogy. <laughs> uh, so the first film is called Snabba aka Easy Money, as it was released in other countries. But it's basically a Stockholm criminal underworld trilogy, and it's also known for shooting Joel Kinnaman, the actor, uh, to worldwide fame. Uh, but basically, it's about it's about a drug runner who runs afoul of both the Serbian mafia and then like the Swedish mafia. Uh, that also stars Matthias Varela. There were two other movies, um, Easy Money Two, and then Snabba, L- Livet Devert. <laughs> They're all really great movies. They're on Tubi Plex um and freebie so please check them out they're they're amazing so espinosa's first domestic feature was safe house which starred ryan reynolds and denzel washington just fun and for once yeah. for once ryan reynolds was not the ryan reynolds that we know and it's actually a really great thriller a great movie you know denzel wouldn't have put up with that you'd have been like you gotta shit.
4: quit this oh yeah he
1: would have quit um his next film was a, a little scene thriller called Child 44, which takes place in um, Stalin-era Russia about child murders. That stars Tom Hardy, Numi Rapace, Gary Oldman, my other future husband, Jason Clarke. Um, also re- reunited him with Joel Kinnaman as well. And then he directed a film called Life, yes. which I affectionately called Jaws in Space. And that also starred Ryan Reynolds. Um, which I actually a, a little bit of a supporting role. Yeah. I,
3: I had heard at one point, I don't know if this is true or not, but prequel somebody had said what it was going to be a prequel to Venom at some point. And I can absolutely see that it was so, at some I, point. I, they, I really they like opted life. not to, but yeah, yeah life is it's, fantastic.
1: It's kind of cool. It stars, uh, Jake Gielen and Rebecca Ferguson, who I absolutely love. Um, our DP is Oliver Wood, who is, I mean, this man is fantastic. Check out some of the movies uh, that he has done. We have uh, The Honeymoon Killers from 1970. Uh, We have Neon Maniacs from 86. Miami Vice. He was the cinematographer on the TV show for over 53 episodes. He was the DP for Die Hard 2, Adventures of Ford Fairlane. (laughs) You're (laughs) supposed to
3: skip those so we don't get this Tourette's looking.
1: Whatever you think about those movies, they were. Oh, I love Ford
3: Fairlane amazingly. I just don't want Brad Um, to have a Tourette's face.
5: I got you,
0: DP,
3: right here. (laughs) See, there you go. Uh, We got 10 minutes of this now.
1: I know. Uh, Two Days in the Valley, Face Off, Mighty Joe Young. I mean, Fantastic Four. Well, there's that. Uh, Hey, Born Supremacy. Those are good movies. The Born Supremacy, I mean, the, the man is a genius, so he really knows how to lens a film. Love Oliver, Oliver Wood. Music is by Swedish-born John Ekstrand. I don't know how you felt about the movie. I actually liked the the music. The soundtrack was it's pretty kind of cool. the
0: vaporwave vibe to it. I yeah. loved it,
1: loved it. Um, our production designer is Stefania Cella, um, and she is the production designer for an amazing series called Moon Knight, Troy. Uh, You're using the
3: word amazing so loosely when you say it like that.
1: (laughs) She's also been a production designer for films like Lucy in the Sky, White Boy Rick, which has a Baltimore connection, actually. Um, The Maniac remake from 2012, which is actually kind of an underrated, unsung. I kind of dug it. Uh, Great, great production designer. Um, We also have Our editor, Pietro Scalia. Um, He is probably one of the best working editors in the world. He's branched out into producing. Obviously, he's an associate producer on this, uh, but he has edited films like JFK, Little Buddha, The Quick and the Dead, G.I. Jane, Stealing Beauty, Black Hawk Down. Uh, His most fruitful relationship has been with Ridley Scott. So we have Black Hawk Down, Hannibal, Gladiator. Um, Body of Lies, American Gangster, Robin Hood, uh, and so he also edited Amazing Spider-Man, The Counselor, another great Ridley Scott un- unsung film, uh, and then he also actually recently edited Ambulance, which was awful. What What was uh, that movie called again? I'm sorry. Ambulance.
3: Am- Am- ambulance. 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 Got it. Ambulance.
1: <laughs> ambulance. No, no, it's ambulance. ambulance.
3: I like it. Ambulance. Ambulance. Sound like Schwarzenegger. Somebody call the ambulance. Call the ambulance. <laughs> call the ambulance. The girly man, the girly man needs the an ambulance.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I just want and I just want to shout out our stunt coordinator is uh, Peter Miles. He is uh uh he has over 105 stunt credits, but he has also stunt coordinated things like Fast and the Furious presents Hobbs versus Shaw, Moonhaven, which is a recent television show. Unfortunately, it got canceled. Uh, but he's pretty fabulous. Our fight coordinator is Roy Taylor, um, hails from British, from Britain, from British, from Britain. <laughs> Call the ambulance, please. Um, he isn't. He's an uncredited stunt coordinator on House of the Dragon, uh, but he's worked on films like Fantastic Beasts, the Hannah television series, and then Angel Has Fallen. So he's really great too. He's also the stunt coordinator for um, London Kills, which is a television series. It's actually, pretty good. You should check it out. And I just wanted to shout out that there is an actor in this film who I deeply love and appreciate. His name is Corey Johnson. He's in it for a very bit part, but he played Agent Clay in uh, Guillermo del Toro's Hellboy, if you remember yes, that. Do you remember? Yes, it was like, yes. can you recognize the plugs? It looks great, Clay. Um, anyway. <laughs> <I can't laughs> so those are people behind someone. the camera. <laughs> All right. Let's,
3: let's talk real quick about the people in front of the camera, starting with Jared Leto. Academy Award winner. Jared Leto for his uh, best supporting actor role in Dallas Buyers Club. Real quick, John, Jared, where where do you stand on this guy? You like him?
4: Um, I, I dig, I dig what he does. Okay. Any particular film
3: sticks out where you kind of think that's his best work, or that you know, sort of.
4: Um, not anyone in particular but just his range um cuz he was in he was in the sequel to the Blade Runner wasn't he at the at Yeah the end? 2049 uh, there that to, to his version of the Joker you know yeah ah, ah, you know what do you do I <laughs> thought know, that was um, Peter
3: Griffin there for a minute <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: um but no i mean i don't hate him um i don't love him but i you know i, I don't have really a negative opinion of him okay
3: what about you Brad
0: Uh, I usually dig on him more as like a, like a secondary character. Um, so like in, I think his, his, uh, role in panic room is great. His stuff with Venture he does is really, really well. You know, he has kind of a part in, in fight club, but you know, Requiem for a dream is kind of the first film. That's the one.
3: Yeah. That's the one Uh, I always think of when I think, yeah, um, me too, you
0: know, I, too much of him is, is too much for me. Um, I don't like him up front on a lot of stuff. Um, he was good at house of Gucci as well. Uh, played front of 2049. Um, but yeah, I, I I have to disagree with John. I think his Joker is pretty subpar, but, uh, yeah, I, I just, I don't, if it says Jared Leto at the top of the poster and there's no one before him, I'm probably not going to check it out.
3: Okay. (gasps) How about you, Jose? uh Oh, did you clutch
1: your pearls, Jose? Are you okay? Is this husband might number have 16? I ambulance. <laughs> this is, unfortunately, he does not join the ranks, Aww. the coveted ranks of future husband. But um, Jared Leto will always be Jordan Catalano to me from my so-called life, which I grew up oh, worshiping yes. and watching with Claire Danes. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I do like his choices. I think he makes interesting choices sometimes he doesn't come off as the strongest actor i think there really needs to be the combination of him the script and the director to really bring it out um and sadly i think he's been the victim of his own success in some ways because you know he became like the next brad pitt in some ways but then he had his rock band and then he talked about the method acting and then people just really kind of Twitter in particular kind of soured on, on Jared Leto, but I think he's having a mailing condoms to people or whatever it is. You're like dead rats and shit like that. But, um, and, and then you see it on screen and it's like, wait a minute, you did all that shit and you're a subpar joker. Like something's not working here, kids. And it ain't the method acting, but, um I, I don't know i think he's having a Lido song. could have been david air recently but <laughs> maybe maybe i like him i like well him. he's so, let me ask you
4: guys what did you think of him um what was the movie he was with uh denzel um the little things the little
1: things
3: mm. I, Wait, I didn't catch that one was that
1: i think it was called the little things right was yeah it? it's 2021
3: yeah. yeah
1: yeah yeah i loved it i thought he was great and really kind of intense in it too right That's i dug him. Yeah. Okay. He's it's interesting you said that. Uh
3: if you go back to 2016 we did the Joker. He did that one The Blade Runner 2049 in 2017, The Outsider in 2018, Little Things in 2021. I think Zack Snyder brought him back to do some shoots for his Justice League cut, uh House of Gucci that same year and then did Morbius um this year. Uh, I I because of Requiem for a Dream I will always give him a pass because I think that's just a phenomenal film. He's amazing in it, but I 100% agree with Brad. I do not, uh, want to see him headline a film. I don't think he's that strong of an actor. I think he deservedly got his best supporting Academy award because that's the category that he's best in. So, uh, Dallas Buyers Club he's phenomenal in and I, I think that kind of goes to show you put him in that kind of role you put him in that supporting performance he's he's always going to bring it right just don't actually make I, do, me.
1: I just do want to f- say though there is a film he did where he played Mark David Chapman chapter 27 you should check it out. It's oh,
3: okay. I don't think yeah, it's an it.
1: hour and 24 minutes. He gained a ton of weight. He's almost unrecognizable in some ways. And my girl, Lindsay Lohan is in it too, oh, but it's there it It's, is. A, it's okay. actually a pretty good, it's a pretty good performance. Okay.
3: Well, let's talk yeah. about Matt Smith real quick is Milo. Uh, Mr. Doctor who himself kind of came on the scene in 2006 doing some BBC adaptations. Um, I don't know if he's ever gotten out of the Doctor Who shadow because he did that series for about four years, and then he follows that up with like Terminator Genesis with a small bit part. Um, well,
1: believe it or not, it was a linchpin part that was to parlay into the other sequels. Yeah. So he he appears very briefly in the beginning, and then towards the end, he becomes an integral part of the of the plot.
3: Yeah, and, and because that really didn't do very well, that franchise didn't go anywhere,
5: yeah. uh, but
3: I, I don't know. I mean, this year he did House of the Dragons, Morbius. He's
0: phenomenal in that. Yeah, phenomenal.
3: He did Last Night in Soho, which I thought he was actually pretty yeah. effective in, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know. I, I don't know what you guys think of Matt Smith. I, I don't think he's just really taken off um, post-Doctor Who the way that I think a lot of people planned he would.
1: Uh, I just wanted to say that he – I know him from – so if you didn't know, there was a musical that Duncan Sheik wrote for American Psycho. And Matt Smith – I do know the musical. He played Patrick Patrick Bateman, right? He debuted the Patrick Bateman role on the West End in London. Um, So I knew him from that. And when he starts – chewing the scenery in this film and sort of singing and dancing and a little bit, I was like, there you go. That's the Matt Smith. I know, but uh, you're right. I I don't think he's broken out beyond what he's done on the West end. And, um, uh, doctor, doctor who really, although he is getting a lot of pop culture cred over his role in house of the dragon. Okay.
0: I think he's probably an actor's actor. So people who know the craft and, and, and appreciate it probably think, you know, Matt Smith is one of the best um, it'd be, you know, I, I don't want to be like superficial or anything like that, but you know, his face is a little bit odd. He doesn't have like a leading actor face. So he does um, not. I think he he's talented as all hell, but yeah, his face is different.
1: I would lump him sort of in the category of like uh, Jason Clark, who I previously mentioned. They're not traditionally good looking men, but there's something you can't look away from. And they're both very very good actors
0: yeah they're he's talented as all hell yeah okay
1: yeah <clears throat> matt, matt yeah. smith thoughts there john
4: yeah loved him in uh doctor who um he's very talented he he really brings he's dedicated to his craft definitely um and and he brings it on screen um especially I, even though it wasn't a huge part I, I i truly enjoyed his role in um pride prejudice and zombies um, so yes. it, was, it, it was, it was, really. yeah, he good. was good um, in that. I will say, <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, to me, um, I think he felt a little bit out of place in Morbius itself. Um, but he still brought what he thought the character was supposed to bring. Um, but yeah, it, it, he's kind of like, he's kind of the grape tomato in your fruit salad, you know, it's like, yeah, I get why you're here, <laughs> but I'm not really a hundred percent sure why you're here. Okay.
3: All right. I'm going to speed through the rest here only, only because the time guy's probably losing his shit right now. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, Adriana Ajorna. I think I'm saying that correctly. I mean, she plays Marine, but let, let's be honest. This is just, uh, Isaac Gonzalez clone. (laughs) I I actually had thought she was in this film. Me too. And, uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Jose, I think we talked about this. um, and then when you go back yeah, and look she's at-
0: She's not the girl from Ambulance.
3: Yeah, she's not. Ambulance. <laughs> or the uh, From Dust Till Dawn TV show or Baby Driver. But, I mean, she's she's actually been working pretty solidly. I mean, this year alone, Morbius, Irma Vep, Father of the Bride, and the Andor, Andor TV series. Yeah. Yep. So Andor. she's coming around. She's giving Isa a run for her money. We've got Jared Harris as uh, Dr. Emil Nicholas, son of Richard Harris. Now, we talked about Jared when we talked about the man from Uncle- which was, uh, I don't know how many episodes ago. That was go back lot. and find that one.
0: Jared Harris stars in, I need to renovate my kitchen. So I'm going to be in Morbius. True. Oh. True.
1: Yeah. Paycheck. Hey, 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 he actually, as a character actor, he's one of those guys. Like, I know that guy. He's like, he's in everything. He is he, in he's everything. He's been yeah. in resident evil. He's been in like a crap ton of stuff. I love Jared Harris.
3: He's always good. I, I, I yeah. can't say that. I mean, for what little they give him in some of these films, he still brings it. He, he's really good. We got Tyrese Gibson as agent Simon Stroud. Uh, it, it's funny. Lots of television in the beginning with shows like Hanging with Mr. Cooper, Martin, Sister, Sister. I, I think he kind of came on the film scene around 2001 with Baby Boy is when he yeah, started yep, getting some yep. notoriety. And now it's uh, what Fast and Furious franchise. Yep.
1: And, his yeah, little, and he's
0: in Transformers as well, right? Yeah. Yes. He's got a little yes. part of that.
1: And and then he's pub- the most annoying character in Fast and Furious unfortunately. He what was also
4: a, he was a Calvin Klein model too, wasn't he? Was he? I think he so. I mean, he's a good-looking dude. Yeah.
3: He
1: is good-looking.
4: Are he's you thinking of Tyson Beckford? No.
1: What? Oh, boy. He, Tyson Beckford is another No, I, I, yeah. I'm- Yeah, I know another future
4: X. I know we get it. Yeah, he's (laughs) number twenty two.
1: Anyway, anyway, Uh, I think Tyrese. I think he was like a Calvin Klein model, but yeah. Okay,
3: we get Al uh, Madrigal. I think is how you say his last name. Madrigal. Madrigal. Madrigal? Okay, Agent Rodriguez. uh, We'll talk about him when we talk at the film. I, he's quite good actually. I think a little bit of the comic relief. Last but not least, kind of shows up at the end of the film. You'll see him in the trailer. (laughs) We get, uh, what, five minutes of Michael Keaton, which he probably made $10 million off of this, as Adrian yeah. Toomes, a.k.a. The Vulture. So there you go. We're not going to go uh, in. No, what? don't skip. I believe what Michael Keaton is
0: billed second in this film. He's it's billed so second? I think
3: so. How can that be? Oh, wow. All right. Yeah, I didn't realize <clears throat> that. I, I knew he was in this just from the trailer. Uh, And I keep waiting for him to show up. And then he shows up in like uh, both of the post-credit scenes. Right. That's the only time he shows up.
0: And so I had to go back and and look at the trailer. I think this might be the first Marvel film that uses a stinger in the trailer.
3: Is Is it? it? Yeah.
0: Usually they save that for a surprise. I I know. I know in the trailer
3: they were, they had put some images of Spider-Man in there that didn't show up in the film as well. Michael
0: Keaton is in the trailer. Yeah. And
3: like all well, the I Well, I remember him in the trailer. It just, okay. it, it's funny. The trailer is a lot of, hey, uh, expectations of what you're going to get, and you don't get any of that, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, production and development, not a lot to review here. I, I will say there was a lot of movement around with the release date, which you touched on, Brad. There were some reshoots. I think this was a difficult film to get out simply because of Spider-Man No Way Home. And the Venom series, they were trying to get it placed in the right way. And I don't spy- know,
0: Choi. Also, they're doing a lot of experiments with uh, splicing bats and human stuff together. Yeah, probably not the best idea during COVID nineteen. Just yeah. saying.
3: Or it's the most topical movie that's out yes. there. <laughs> so, how about we take a quick break? And Michael
4: Morbius worked for Wuhan Laboratory. <laughs> that is not
3: that has not been verified, Brad. You Actually, should not. You in- should- what
4: actually an amazing spider-man number yeah it's true <laughs> what no john <laughs> <laughs> okay april Fools.
3: god um we're gonna take a quick break these folks are gonna get their shit together <laughs>
4: oh.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and uh we're gonna share our thoughts on 2022's morbius so we'll be right back
2: it's a big date, they love their popcorn, look what they ate, this kind of action, the main attraction, Oh boy ain't love grand, he's buying lots of goodies, ice cream, Pepsi and peanuts too, living on love's not easy, you need your strength to woo, now he returns he yearns. refreshing pepsi a kiss he earns romance and pleasure and for good measure thirst quenching pepsi for those who think young
4: the brides of dracula never never before has a motion picture revealed so much of the mystical the unnatural the brides of dracula out of the unknown darkness he comes the handsomest, the most evil Dracula of them all, bringing horror beyond human endurance to a fashionable girl's school. Who can resist him? As one by one he seeks out his fresh, innocent victims. Who will be next to know his kiss of death as one by one he lures young beauties into the timeless, bloodless realm of the undead? Beware of pity, for he feels none. Beware of love, for none can refuse him. Never has the struggle between good and evil been so shocking and the outcome so uncertain. Terror beyond telling in color. The brides of Dracula. Right, right,
5: right, right. Right,
4: right.
3: gentlemen i i've actually been pretty excited about talking uh, about this film with you guys so i'm gonna kick it over to you john real quick you caught this in the theater right yes okay and this was your second time viewing
4: um yeah i actually watched it several times after that
3: Holy shit. Okay. Um, so super
4: fan over here. What the hell? Okay.
3: So, so being the comic book guy coming to this with a lot of preconceived notions about the character, um, understanding what they're doing with it in terms of the
4: lead up to the sinister six and a standalone film,
3: what are your initial thoughts on Morbius?
4: Um, I, I I was really excited because again, a lot of the backstory to who Morbius was his true origin story. Um, was was being played out at the very beginning of the film um from him trying to find a cure he had a best friend nikos um uh, you know they changed it up in the movie of course because in the comics he kills his best friend oh, um spoiler that yeah spoiler um <laughs> sorry if you're what's he do to his enemies jesus <laughs> uh, you, <yeah. laughs> that's funny you ask oh. <laughs> um the scene on the boat is actually lifted up from um the comics because after Um, the experiment goes kind of awry and he turns into a vampire, he kills his friend, he actually jumps out of the lab into the water, he's picked up by this sea crew, Uh, he ends up wiping them all out in the comics, so it's it's kind of portrayed in the movie itself. Uh, Martine um, is a love interest in the comics, although it's portrayed differently in the movie, of course, Um, she's a colleague, uh, but he is, he's always been, she has always been his love interest, right, and no matter what in in most of the morbius stories from the comics he's always trying to to save himself um as well as making sure she's always taken care of and and safe and and brought to life um and, and the movie what i what i found interesting after seeing it in the first time um if you know a little bit about Morbius, especially from the comics, what your biggest takeaway is, this is a guy who truly deals with depression in the sense that he is he is as he says he's cursed with something. He is his brilliant mind and all the help that he has simply cannot cure him of. He doesn't want this curse, right? But he's he has to live with it, and it's kind of a recurring theme throughout the comics. <coughs> Bruce <And>, Banner, <coughs> excuse me, go ahead. Um, <laughs> Chris Banner has never had the experience of catcalls, so he wouldn't know. Oh, sorry. But, sorry. <laughs> um, but the movie, I think, with Matt Smith and and when it turned to that and, and the battle of them, I I wholeheartedly love the stylization of the fight scenes because it looked like comic book panels, right? From the big wide swipes, a uh, little bit of violence, uh, you know, the pseudo vampirism. I I I I walked away. Remembering and talking with my wife, um, you know, we were she was like, Well, what did you think? And I was like, you know what, it really wasn't that bad. Um, there's a lot of wasted opportunities. And I think the problem is is because it's a Sony movie, right? It can't bring itself into the Marvel universe, right? Where again, spoiler alert, uh at the end of the movie you kind of see there is a opening for it to get brought into the MCU. Um And I think because of that, because of his real origin story with Spider-Man, with uh, Kirk Connors, uh, you know, even like the Midnight Suns, all those all these potentially great characters in the comics, I I think they knew how to start, but they weren't quite sure how to really once we show you who Morbius is, what do we do? How do we take it and go from here? And what they ended up with um, is kind of for me, it was a glass half full. You know, I, I got some satisfaction out of it, but I still wanted a lot more out of out of this movie. Um, didn't hate it. Uh, didn't love it, but I thought I thought it was it was uh, for me. It was an enjoyable movie.
3: Oh, OK. Which which is weird, because I feel like everybody that I've talked to uh, that have seen this film and some of our just big Marvel fan people. Absolutely hate this thing and I've, I've just drudge it through the muck. So I, I gotta be honest. I I walked into this thing because it's my first time viewing uh, this week, and I thought this thing was gonna be terrible. Um, so I'm I'm kind of glad to to hear that take from you on this one. Um, I'm gonna kick it over to you, Brad. What what was your take on Venom? I think you had to watch this twice because of some accident that happened the first time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So good. He peed himself. Um, yeah. No, I, I think um, it was, I think no, no, <laughs> no, I, maybe I, I might have. Yeah. I don't think he knew what happened the first. <laughs> yeah. Viewing because, um, uh, yeah.
0: So I think this might be the most K okay. movie. I think I've seen in a long time. It is the most okay thing I've seen. It's not really good. It's not really bad. Um, well, it is kind of spot worsening but the screenplay of this movie is really bad. Um, there's a lot of lines that I can't believe they said. Uh, but anyway, so it starts off with like this really cool sort of vapor wave opening, like straight out of like a Nicholas Winding Refn film, like with the colors and stuff. I'm like kind of immediately hooked. Um, and then it it, it kind of gets into the film and um it's okay. Like, again, it's okay. Like, it's not <laughs> offensive. I, I kind of like the trail effect uh, that this film does. Like John was saying, it does kind of have a very sort of comic book movement to it. Um, I wholeheartedly disagree. I think uh, this thing suffers oh, like a lot of the Marvel films do. The third act fight scene just becomes two sort of blobs fighting each other see Venom, see Venom 2, see Black Panther. Like it's just – you just get two people fighting in the dark and it's almost impossible to see or distinguish about who's doing what. But in this one, they do something pretty smart where they kind of stop it and then you kind of get oriented with what's going on and then they like, kind of speed it up again. Um, but I was really surprised that I did not hate this thing because I was going into it thinking – that it was going to be absolute garbage and like I found seeing it twice, like it go by pretty quickly the second time. Um, And I, I I didn't hate Jared Leto. Um, I just kind of wish that, I don't know, for 104 minutes, I'm like either make it 10 minutes shorter or make it over two hours and add in the Michael Keaton stuff. Like, I kept waiting for Michael Keaton and, and I know marketing and development of the film are two different, like the people who make the film and people who market it, they do two different things. It is very smart to put Michael Keaton in the trailer for Morbius, but then you're setting expectations that Michael Keaton is in your movie and he's not, he's not in this movie. I don't care if he's in the, the after, you know, if he's in the credit stingers or whatever, he's not in this movie. And so that was something that I was like, this is dirty. In, in, in a in an industry that does a lot of dirty shit, this is pretty dirty. like you're you're kind of putting Michael Keaton up front and saying, he's gonna be a part of this movie and he's not. And um, but yeah, I think Matt Smith is good in this movie. The female girl might as well have a hostage sign above her head as soon as she walks <laughs> into the, the onto the screen because you just know at some point in time, in Act Two, they're going to kiss. In Act Three, she's going to be held hostage, and then maybe die. And spoiler alert, she does. I will say, what well, uh, no.
1: does she? Does well, she? and then
0: she comes. Back. <laughs> I will say, okay, if Jose and I kissed, which hey, we would have a infinitely more passionate kiss. Than Leto and that girl do on top of that building. It is like a Ken and Barbie doll just smashing faces together. It is the most unsexy kiss I've ever seen in my entire life. I was like, this this is like these two people just learned what human beings are. And they're trying to like figure out how to kiss. Like it is embarrassing. Like how I don't, how you could have, Less than zero chemistry, but they do. And I, I uh, feel
3: like we need to see a comparison now. <laughs> I don't know I, what hey, you're talking
5: about.
0: <laughs> hey, time to make it happen. Yeah, I will.
3: <laughs> but uh, we're going to
2: we're gonna film. <laughs> but I,
0: I, I want to bring up this topic and, and just and just we can go to it later. But is this Mike Pence's like wet dream film? Sorry, what? Because <laughs> like, okay, is this film elaborate. about gay conversion therapy? Pardon? Because clearly Michael oh, Morbius and Milo are gay. And the whole film is about them trying to cure what is going on. Yeah, I thought
3: I thought they had a blood problem, not a gay problem. But,
0: Choi, it's called symbolism. (laughs) (laughs) But we can go to that later. But I just
3: I can't. No, we're going to that right now
0: because the gay is in the blood. It's in the blood. The gay is in the blood, and they're
3: trying to get rid of the uh, what.
0: If Milo and Morbius kiss on top of that building, I guarantee there's way more passion than it is with that. But what is that?
3: I'm sorry. What does that have to do with the gay being in the blood?
0: Well, I'm just like not like they're just using vampirism as like as a
3: as a symbolism for um, homosexuality. So let me see what I hold on. You're basically saying.
5: Jared
0: this Lee. is the second time I watched this, so oh,
5: yeah. yeah, it wasn't the first
3: time. <laughs> I think you picked this up based on yeah. the influence that you were under the first time. But yeah. I'm, let me just recap real quick. Jared, Jared's Morbius, Doctor Morbius. Sorry, mm-hmm. we, we use we use the character. Doctor Morbius yeah. is like, hey, I found a, uh, <laughs> I found a way to not be gay. Well, and so he takes, not in this
0: in this movie. Hold it, it on, is.
3: I'm summarizing your yeah. view here. So, so, so him and Milo are gay at the beginning in Greece and they grew up gay. And so Morbius is like, I got a cure for gayness and I took it. And then Milo's like, I want the gay for, or no, I want the cure for gayness. And Morbius is like, no, you can't handle it. It's a curse not to be gay. And so he takes the formula and they're both not gay and are fighting over the fact that they're not gay.
0: Yeah. And then at the end, they, you know, wrestle for a little bit and not gay wrestle. And then uh, one of them dies. Hashtag no homo. Yeah, no homo. I'm Uh, just saying,
1: Troy, I just thought it was there. But I I like that take on it. I really like that take on it. Actually,
3: I I actually think that would have made this like if they had played that aspect up a little bit more. This this movie probably would have won the Academy Award for
4: Best Picture at this point. Mm. Uh, that's... Well, they did. It's called uh, Interview with a Vampire. Yeah. No I was gonna say, hey. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wait, you can't vamp the gay away or something like that?
5: Or... Yeah. Wow. That's,
3: I didn't I didn't see that. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. You and I need to talk after the show because I want to get whatever you're getting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, for real. When you watch films because that's amazing.
4: What's under that bandana there, Brad? Oof. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Uh, sure call you jimmy yeah <laughs> jimmy uh, hendrix
3: jose what <laughs> who knows what you're going to bring to the table after that? i'm sorry yeah, follow you have, that up yeah i'm sorry you have to follow uh, this up but go ahead
1: this movie was offensive to vampires and scientists no i'm kidding um so i didn't I, look i didn't know anything about morbius all of that stuff that john had brought up that i had brought up i you know research on the internet etc cetera, etc cetera, afterwards so i went in knowing that he was a horror comic for Marvel, but not anything else beyond that. Um, The way that it started, like Brad said, totally got my attention. I loved the colors. I love the way that Oliver Wood shot this. Um, I think it's weird. I think that some of the pieces of the narrative need some rejiggering because the the beginning of it, it's just so disjointed how they construct this relationship and love, deep love for each other, because I think that's a central component of this story. They're both um, sort of these children that have a blood disorder. It's not really explained what this disorder does to them. Apparently, it puts them in a lot of pain and makes them very, very weak, but we don't really get the mechanics of it. And so later, when they're talking about splicing human DNA and whatever... And there's talk about how the vampire bat can uh, has an anticoagulant in its saliva, and that's how it can ingest blood from other people. They don't really connect, or other um, animals, they don't really connect how that helps his disease or changes anything. I,
3: I got, right? I got the fact that they made a reference like three times a day they have to get an, an a oil change, more or less. And yeah. basically, if you throw the vampire bat blood in there, they don't need the oil change anymore. They don't, but <gasps> oh, then they
1: have to. That feed on might that blood. might
3: actually feed into Brad's theory, then, right? The oil change. The oil change. Ow. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> look, if if Brad is saying at the this beginning, this is a dipstick <laughs> joke, Troy. It, it is. <laughs> no, it's the joke,
1: it's the joke from Tank Girl. Hey boys, which one of you would like an oil change? You yeah. Know? See there you go. Um, sorry. Go ahead. But anyway, so I so uh, although some of this is clunky, the sequences are pretty fun. They're shot in a really great way. I love how they brought out the horror aspect of the boat sequence, and then the sequence which clearly lists who the killer is of the nurse being stalked in this sort of like hallway where the lights go on and off with the motion. Um, so I I dug that they wholeheartedly embrace this whole horror comic origin aspect of it. And they put in some scary sequences like that. Um, I did like the flying through the air and the sort of like matrix style, uh, you know, echolocation streams streams um, and smoke. Uh, did, did you, you like the just, ear effect that he does during the echolocation? Yeah. I, I kind of dug it. I thought it was yeah. pretty cool. Um, and then when Matt Smith goes, you know, Crazy or American psycho, as we, as we say, um, uh, I don't know. The, the film just gets an infusion of energy that, that had me hooked. I absolutely loved it when that sort of like uh, tension came up and all those action scenes came out. I, I, I loved it. I had a blast with this. I thought it was fun. I did feel like that last battle felt very much like Raimi, Spider-Man three Venom versus spidey uh with the construction set and the flying through the air and twisting and doing all of that stuff um but i just i i don't know i found it fun i thought they shot it really well the colors were great i did love the sort of jeff goldblum fly sequence where he's learning his powers in his own lab and we get to learn what you know morbius can do um and like but like i said some of the disjointed narrative they could have gotten rid of a bunch of stuff like there's this whole shenanigans where he chases these kids from the restaurant into like their little lair where they have science equipment and we're supposed to laugh at this whole like haha i'm venom blah blah, blah and he breaks the guy's hand but we didn't need that sequence right he has his own friggin lab um but i i think that they probably didn't emotionally tie up that that uh, dramatic sort of thread between him and Milo. I don't think that they deepen that enough for it to be of any consequence., um, but again, when you're going from horror to vampire action, I don't think they want you to think that deeply about this. And it is an it is an an origin movie, and once again, those can be, I don't know, pretty dull, especially if you know where they're headed, but with a new character like this, I I feel like they made it entertaining enough that I'd be on board for a second movie, and they certainly do leave things open with uh, Martine... Martina? Martine coming back? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Coming back from the dead, Mm -hmm. I kind of dug that, and then him finally coming into his power with all the bats around him and flying into the screen. I I I liked it. I liked it. I'm not too jazzed about the vulture because I didn't particularly like that character, honestly. Um, But I would be up for a sinister six sort of like sequel or, or, you know, joint movie. Okay. I loved it. I loved it. I've seen it like five times, by the way, five times. What?
0: Yeah. We got super fans on our podcast. (laughs) Troy. I had no idea, man.
3: Um, I know. (laughs) Wow. So our good friend Landon if he's listening has probably lost his mind at this point. He
1: is absolutely, he knows how I feel about this film. Yeah. He hates it. Doesn't <laughs> He's he? lost his mind. <laughs> okay.
3: Uh, whoo. All right. So, wow. I didn't expect any of you to, well, I certainly didn't expect Brad to come out swinging with that hypothesis, which makes my notes. Just, uh, I just want to throw them out the door and just go What Brad said. That's pretty brilliant. Um,
0: brilliant. Okay, sure.
3: Yeah. I, hey, look, I, <laughs> I think you guys have alluded to this. Uh, this isn't as terrible as I think people have made it out to be. Like when I when I see some of those scores from critics or reviewers or even people who walked out to the film who are, are big proponents of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I see a lot of people trash this thing. And uh, I, I I don't necessarily get it. It's not great. I've seen worse, way worse. I think we all have. Uh, but but it is not this um, grade F level achievement in, in film, right? So I think the biggest problem that I have with the film is it just kind of meanders during a lot of the runtime. Uh, it's this meandering that takes you out of the film and makes you sort of question some of the logic and storytelling choices, but more grievously it it makes you question the logic and science of the film. So with superhero films, I I really feel like this is the same with science fiction films. The the science and and the logic that occurs in these films, you have to take for granted, right? You just kind of gotta believe that's how it works. That's the universe. And if the storytelling is really good, if you're emotionally invested Or it's moving at a good pace your brain doesn't take a break to kind of go wait a minute you proposed this theory of science or logic or realism within the movie world Uh, and as a result of that I start questioning it right my problem with this film is every time I like some of the visuals or even the visual composition like there's this shot they do the cityscape shop where the Sun is setting and you see these elements of red within the buildings that give it this horrific view over the city. It's gorgeous looking. So you get these scenes, and then it goes into the story, and then from its meandering, you start to see them unfold the plot. And then my brain starts to go, well, I'm, I'm not attracted to anything so visually that it's taking my breath away or distracting me. I'm not necessarily emotionally connected to these characters. To Brad's point, every time I see Morbius or Martine together, it does look like Ken and Barbie, um, just two plastic figures interacting. And so I I start to kind of question some of the things that are going on in this film. And I'll give you a list, all right? So I don't know how the trap works at the beginning of the film. It's string, he, he like pulls up a bunch of string, cuts his hand sticks his hand through the string and the bats fly around it. Like, I don't understand how they're captured per se, or what is a result of sticking your hand through the string? Like no clue what went on in that sequence. And next thing you know, he's got like a tube full of bats within his laboratory. No clue how that happened. Um, they give um, a rat the serum, the rat dies, but it didn't become a vampire. At least i don't think it did uh and then on top of that when dr morbius takes the serum he becomes a vampire but he gets all jacked up right he's got a six pack of abs he could definitely do underwear commercials and i i didn't see that on the rat like i don't think the rat could do underwear commercials (laughs) um and and that those are the things my brain starts picking up like well wait a minute. You take the serum and these things happen, but you just gave the serum to this other thing and those things didn't happen. And so it takes you out of the movie a little bit. Um, What happened to the girl uh, that was, had a seizure. He's talking to her in the beginning. Oh yeah. Don't don't worry about her. And did they put her in a coma or something? Don't worry about it. Dead. Like what? No, they totally
0: forget it. Like they, it totally is a drop plot in this movie.
3: Okay. Yeah. Again, at (laughs) some point towards the back end of the film, I'm like, what happened to the little girl? just because it's meandering. And so I start thinking about these plot, you know, <laughs> elements that are popping up in the film. Um, then you get into the action sequences. And I, I like John's comment about it. it looks like a visual uh, comic book panel when he's going up in the stairwell and there's this slow motion, they're shooting at him and he's like dodging bullets and he gets up to the top. Um, and as soon as he's at the top of the roof, he like stops. And next thing you know, um, the FBI agent Tyrese is there how, how did he get up there so fast? Like all all of a sudden he's at the, he's at the bottom floor and he's right there at the top. I I don't get it. But again, I don't think that scene was executed with enough style energy for my brain to kind of go, Oh, just forget about this. Get into the moment. I actually, as soon as he shows up and goes, Hey, don't even do it. And the guy's like, okay, I'm not going to do it. I'm like, what is going on right here? He was parkouring like the crap out of that building and can float on wind or whatever. And he's just like, yeah, I'm going to give myself up right now. Because was he so impressed with that guy's stair stepping skills or whatever that he got there that quick? He's like, well, I can't outrun him. I don't know. Um, Morbius makes two serums, one for him and one for the villain. And then he kills his best friend with the villain. And he he goes on this whole lecture of like he's going to kill himself after he stops this guy. What happened to the other serum? I think that was just a ploy,
0: Troy, to get that kiss.
3: Okay. I just, <laughs> <laughs> again, it's just something I'm sitting here thinking about because I'm not. If you, in, if you don't date me, then I guess I'll just have to kill myself. I, I guess it's some goth uh, ploy yeah. to to get a little nookie. Um, and then he uses the bats. All of a sudden, he like gets cut and he screams. And all the bats are like, oh, you're like one of us. So you can do this um, Dragon Ball Z move on the other dude. And then Matt Smith gets eaten up by – but wasn't – didn't Matt Smith take the same serum and why couldn't he control the bats like Morbius and kind of go, hey, don't bite me or kill me?
0: He hadn't achieved the glow yet, Troy.
5: Yeah.
3: Okay. Um. <laughs> all right. Here, here's the worst one. And I am 100% ashamed I'm going to bring this up. It is, it is the thing that I, I thought of and I'm like, th- th- this is the problem with – meandering plots and and you getting to stop and think about something for a second. So there's this sequence and they're working in the lab together, the lab that they just stole. And she cuts herself and he gets all vampy, his ears start doing his thing and his cheekbones, you know, sink in and he's like, "Hey, you better close that up or else <laughs> I can't control myself." And immediately in my head I'm like, "All right, they're working together. They they got this relationship going. What what happens when the the female thing happens?
0: Oh my god, Troy! <laughs>
3: <laughs> so,
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. What it's happened? Uh, your mind
0: went demonstration. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you just you what just gotta, happened? Yeah. Remember so, that
4: sequencing, Carrie. I get just, no 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 no, 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 don't go there. It it up. Up. <laughs> <laughs> but
3: immediately I'm like, well shit, either you're getting hazard pay or you're getting free <laughs> vacation once a month paid from horizon industries or whatever it is. But as gross and as immature as that thought is the problem with this film is for every exciting plot point or visual it presents, it tries to give you some logic or some superhero, whatever, but you're not invested in the film. And so your brain goes to these places to where you're just trying to entertain yourself with figuring out the pieces of the puzzle that this thing drops. That that's my biggest complaint about this film. I actually think it's kind of boring.
4: Yeah. So, so I, 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 I totally hear what you're saying. Um, and that's where i'm saying i appreciated why they or when they were lifting a lot of things from the comics because in uh, we talked about the, the young the young lady in in the hospital bed right uh well there's there's i forget which uh series it was in where he actually found a temporary cure and he changes his name and he's working at saint jude's helping children out like himself so that's where i drew and saw that parallel uh with it but to your point, get that, John,
3: but that's not in this movie. That's not
4: it. St. Jude's I, I, never showed up in this film at all. I, I totally, I totally get that. But you know what I mean? It, for me though, that's where I saw some of it. And that's where I think, um, you know, with some of its flaws is that it it is trying to put it, you know, do a little homage, uh, put its spin to tell their version of the story. But to your point, Troy, there are some meandering parts, right? There's, there's not a point where, uh, again, Morbius is actually one of those characters that, if you really understood his backstory and what he's what he's trying to do, what he's gone through, uh, he is a very he could be a character that you could become emotionally invested in. But in this movie, you don't get that chance, right? Yeah, I, I would it, say it, a it different moves on. You know, I, I mean? would
3: say this movie's meandering, and there's some interesting parts. It's not that there's meandering parts. This entire film meanders, and there's some interesting parts. Like, there's an interesting reference to Dracula and Nosferatu, where the whole boat comes in to New York and ships Yeah, but they the call it the wrong
1: it. name. <laughs> okay. It's called the LCV Murnau. Yeah. yeah. They were saying Murnau. It's Murnau. Murnau. Right. But but Murnau. It, there's, but, there's little no, elements that. What does of that. LCV stand for? Uh, I don't know. Last Cool Vampire.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. There's elements in this film where you go, well, that's kind of a neat element. Like, there's some sequences and shots that even from the action sequences, you're like, well, that's a cool element. But the problem is, and as gross and 12 year old immature as I am about that whole blood sequence. And, and again, I feel ashamed for even putting it out there. It's not who I am, but it's an example. I think of, of somebody who could watch this film and just go, I can make just a stupid joke about this because it doesn't give you so that that joke by itself not even a joke, that crass observation by itself means that you don't have enough respect for the characters or the content to go anywhere else, but to kind of go, Hey, she cuts herself and all of a sudden he's upset about it and he can't be around anytime that she leaks blood or something. To me, it's an, it's the worst example of what this film is, which is it just is dumb. It's a dumb film.
0: Well, yeah, the screenplay is yeah. severely. The screenplay is well, super
3: no. s- dumb. They're, the so. characters are uninteresting. Matt Smith and Jared Leto. The thing they have in common is it's like watching two loaves of white bread interacting with each other. <laughs> hey,
0: watch yourself! as a, It is as a
3: no. Loaf of no. White if, bread if I were to take two two like pieces of Wonder Bread, the whitest bread you can think of, and just <laughs> film it. You'd be like, oh, is this a scene from Morbius? Because that's about as exciting as it gets. Like your take on it, Brad, in terms of, hey, this is some type of uh, Mike Pence's worst dream. I I would love to take that view on it because that, like interjecting that view on this film makes it extremely interesting. Outside of that, um, Al Madrigal is the standout of the film and he makes up 10 minutes of it. He has one good... Kind of line with the holy water thing, um, but but when your third third supporting character, I mean this, this guy has ten minutes of dialogue, and you're like, well, that's the most interesting thing out of the film. Everything else is like white bread, just literally two pieces of white bread thrown at each other, and there's your last twenty minute climactic battle.
1: So, so uh, listen, I see your I see your point about, uh, and and I mentioned this. I feel like that you know. Their narrative structure, it, it could have used a lot more reworking because, it, like I said, the pieces are just, they're not in the right place and it feels disjointed and there are separate sequences alone that are kind of stand out. Um, my feeling is that I think the studio stepped in and probably cut up um uh, Sharpless and Sazama's actual script, because I think that we are missing scenes to explain things. Um, this movie doesn't need more explanation. But and and again, I'm I'm just gonna put this out there since I've seen it so many times. Sure. Um, as an expert, <laughs> there has been a lot of. There's actually a lot more care that, believe it or not, that was put into the story than than. I guess what you guys have seen just from the viewings. So every, I always say this. Everything you need to know about the movie is going to be shown to you in the beginning. And so it is about their relationship, right? So I I pull you guys back to that scene where he made an origami thing for him and he left, right? Because he's smart. He knows how to rejigger uh, a medical machine using just a pen topper, whatever. They they just show that he's super brilliant. He's he not like other people, right? So he leaves and he gives him that origami thing. So he undoes the origami thing and he reads the letter. Okay, and it, he says something along the lines of like, uh, "And too bad that you undid this because you'll never get it back into its original shape." That sets everything up that you're about to see, which is that. Morbius is smart enough to create these things, but when it comes to him and his relationship with his friend, he creates something that basically upends his relationship with him and destroys Matt Smith's character. He's the origami piece that comes apart and can never get back together. And in some ways, Morbius is also that same, that same piece as well. So there was some care that was put into this story. It might not have been executed well, but I catch their metaphor. Additionally, Oliver Wood shot the fuck out of this movie. And in the beginning when he's explaining the the, you know, the cure and the serum and this and this, if you notice, they're shooting them through the bat the bat lens. And so he goes the camera pans and he goes from looking like Jared Leto talking to behind the glass, he's a distorted image. Because they're showing you he's so obsessed with finding this cure, he's not thinking about the consequences. And so, like I said, there's cinematography like that shot throughout the whole film. So there, there is a level of care that was put into this. I just feel like it was probably cut apart by the studios. And the two detective characters, they are wildly out of place. Yeah, They, they, should, should, they should not they should be in this movie. movie. They should you know what not else should be in this movie. movie a goddamn iris out to iris
0: in edit Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I saw that shit and I was like are we making a student film like <laughs> you can't they do it one time so it's like
1: a choice and
0: it's yes. so bad yeah. it's so bad but,
1: but I also like how you know he is trying to escape and he gets up onto the building and there's like the, the wind draft and he's sort of like oh whatever and that's why he stops because he doesn't understand why that's happening to him And if he goes any further, it could be disaster for him. That's why he stops for the detective. And then later they show
3: us- As a narrative, that's a problem. Because I'm in the moment of that scene, I have no idea what's going on. I don't understand why he stopped. I don't understand why- they explain
1: it later they explain it later with the with the draft and the the ability to fly but i like that that felt like a 70s movie they showed us something and immediately when i watched it the first time i was like why the fuck did that just happen i just got i'm like what the fuck just happened he was floating away what and then they explain it later but they explain it visually so i don't know and then i read i listened to an interview with espinoza he was influenced by martial arts films for the um for uh, and Chinese films for some of these sequences and the way that he showed the altered, like, you know, powers and persons or whatever. Um, And he was influenced by seventies movies.
3: I would, I would love to know what martial arts movies he was actually (laughs) influenced. That sounds like a comment who goes, that sounds like a pompous director who sits down and goes, ah, look, I was influenced by martial arts films. And who was ever interviewing him of like, really, which ones? And then point to me in the film that you actually took this inspiration and applied it.
1: Well, he I'm going to guess it. He, I'm going to guess it's wire foo, honestly. No, he, he actually
4: mentioned it. It was uh, he, he said he studied one of the greatest arts from one of the greatest cultures on earth. It was uh, Xianju. Uh, oh, yeah. Little Remo Williams. <laughs> yeah, it is. No, if, I,
3: if he had said, look, I borrowed from Zoo Warriors of the Magic Mountain I'd be like, OK, where is that in here? It's not. Look. I, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> I I've mean, also
0: heard the saying that if my mom had wheels, she'd be a bike. Yeah. So just because you're trying to say something is something doesn't mean that it's something I yeah.
3: get but. this. And and again, I've always said this, like people bring <laughs> their own experiences with other films, medium, whatever it is to, to the movie and you get, sometimes you get something out of a movie based on what you bring into it. Right? right. Versus what's there. This is a film that if you're getting a lot out of it, I think it's because you are familiar with the content or you're familiar with the universe. Um, I don't think there's much there. I just don't. I don't think it's terrible. I just don't mm, think there's much there.
4: No, and you're right. I mean, this, you know, from the lens of when I asked my kids if they wanted to see it, no, they had no interest in it because it didn't really visually even the trailers didn't uh, appeal to them. Um, having watched the movie coming out of the theater and thinking back on it, it would, they would have hated the movie because it, it was a movie that wasn't like you, to your point. Um, if you're coming in with fresh eyes with very little to no knowledge of this, it it's hard to ingest. Even, um, even to Jose's point, they're trying to tell story through other methods. I mean, you know, Brad mentioned, you know, the relationship where you know, my take on it was it, it it's always that classic, um, we're always outcasts. One of us now is better. I want to be as good as you, but now that I'm better and I only want you because then that, because we're still going to be outcasts. We're awesome outcasts, but (laughs) nobody else can deal with it. Um, to your point, Trad or chat. Um, Troy. Trad. Chad. Oh, trad. trad. As, that's our, that's our, our couple names. talking Hashtag about trad. He, he keeps it. talking about white bread and it's like, <laughs> <"Yeah, No."> that <laughs> is <laughs> true. Okay. <laughs> you, look, The total white glad. bread
3: name between Brad and myself would be trad. trad. I agree with that.
4: Yeah. So, I mean, Jose and I are safe, but uh, Troy, you, you, <laughs> you pointed out earlier, um, you know, the cityscape with lots of reds, but then take a look at the movie, right? Um, a, a lot of it He's in the lab on the boat, right? There's blues, dark blues, but then there's reds. And then look at the blood that he tried to live off of, right? He had to live off the blue, right? Yeah, you know, I can't, but it, it, it's not going to Then satisfy. he goes
0: red. And then at the very end, his cape is purple. Bingo. Blue right. and red. <laughs> so it, what? It, it's, it's, it, I mean, his it's cape is purple. He switched yeah, blue blood at the beginning, then he switches over to red blood. His cape turns purple, yeah,
4: and that's why he had that like Barbie moment because you didn't (laughs) want to see what came out of him, what color that would have been. So, you didn't pick that up, Troy?
3: No, I did. I didn't know when you drank different types of blood, your clothes changed colors. No, but (laughs) it's just
4: no, but but that's my point,
3: though. I mean, all of this crap, where it look, if you're gonna have ridiculous movie logic, I'm all for it. Like, the crazier, the better. I love movies. That have this stupid logic and this in this stupid science behind it, but they stick to it for the rest of it and they don't give you time to question it. Or even if you question it, they go, doesn't matter in this universe, this is how it works. Yeah, I mean this Dr. movie, Sh- this movie does not distract you enough to take a step back to have the the crass thoughts, the stupid thoughts, and even the logical thoughts, where it's like wait a minute you spent all this time in the beginning of the film talking about this one thing and it never comes about at the end oh wait a minute you're talking about this one thing and because i'm about ready to go to sleep i got to actually make jokes to myself to keep myself awake during the scene before the next like white bread fight um it it, yeah i i hate i I hate being so harsh on it and i i actually kind of enjoyed it more than what i'm sounding um yeah yeah, i think you guys are being way too nice to this thing
4: no, I mean, it's. I used, so Doctor Strange, that was the one Bishop was excited to go see, right? Um, and then we're watching it, we're in, and we finally get the gist of what the story is. And after watching it for a while, Bishop, he was he was the first before all the memes came out. He was like, how come they didn't go to a universe where she was already dead and she could just adopt him? Why did they start there? You know what I mean? It, it's like, he, and that's why he constantly rags on it because he... he 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 really enjoys Dr Strange he loved the first movie but it just this movie th- that movie was a total disappointment where again morbius I know he wouldn't have enjoyed it at all because he's just not familiar with and there is no real the avenues in which they could have really tried to sell you morbius as a character I think were lost uh on many points uh throughout the movie but I don't think it was a it was done in such a way that, as you're saying, Troy, you know, even though you're sounding harsh on it, it wasn't really that bad. It just could be that much better. It could. I, I actually like
3: all of the it, – it's like looking at a recipe and going, oh, I like all those ingredients. But when somebody puts it together and cooks it and puts it in front of you, you're like, dude, I wouldn't serve this to my dog. But um, I like everything <laughs> that's a part of it.
0: I'd much rather watch Morbius than Doctor Strange, the new Doctor Strange. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That Dr. Really? Strange is a mess.
3: Um, ooh. Ooh. That, yeah. Now I think you're talking crazy. I think you're, well, I mean, yeah.
0: So what did everyone, because I, I, I saw something where Leto said he didn't want to do prosthetics. He wanted to do, he thought the CGI was better. <clears throat> so he didn't wear anything on his face. It's all CGI. I actually didn't mind like the face morphing stuff. I thought it was actually pretty tolerable and at times i i thought it looked pretty menacing um, it, like and i liked it how it kind of changed really quick so the effects yeah, were i good. think they might have done a better job with cgi than the actual prosthetics so
4: yeah i mean I especially know. with matt. we
0: always rag on i'm not going practical but here i'm like
4: maybe they made the right choice well it's, it's kind of like comic books right one panel he looks normal next panel wow yeah he's a vampire so i kind of get that matt smith i will have to admit could have done a little bit you know another hour's worth of work each day on just some of those points. But yeah, I mean, I don't I think it it's just his
0: face. I think his face is just weird. Me, I don't know. Yeah, he I mean, he already but, has
4: an
1: odd face to begin with, but
4: yeah, but I mean, Jared Leto seeing when he fully transformed, I mean, he was more, he was Morbius, you know, and I love that. But again, man, I just wish they had done just a little bit more.
3: Okay. Really over Dr. Strange. Okay. I don't know. I look, I'm not rushing out to watch either of them back to back but I will say this I think I enjoyed the back half of Dr Strange a lot more than anything holistically about morbius but I would still say they're both pretty meh yeah yeah it this year with superhero uh, films maybe outside of the Batman's been like a, a lot whole lot of meh there's a lot of
0: five out of tens for me to be honest with you yeah
3: but I, I love it Jose I, I mean I enjoyed you, the hell out of this no it's <laughs> it's awesome this, this is what I like about bringing because again I know somebody can come to this and um, look at those sequences and take a lot of the, out of the origami and say thematically, this is where the film's going and this is what it's telling. It does a good job of it. I mean, Brad obviously is taking a Mike Pence route to it. John's bringing his comic book lore to it. Don't you
0: ever say mm. no.
3: Yeah. I'm obviously the idiot of the group and going, Hey, let's talk about um, women's uh, <laughs> issues, um, you know, through this one sequence. So, we're all bringing various degrees of um, class to this with Jose being probably the top tier and John Brad and I are in our own worlds.
0: Brad down at the bottom. Yep.
3: No, no, no. I'm at the bottom. Your, your Mike Pence stuff is way better than, than me asking like, well, what happens during this thing that Mm -hmm. women anyways? um, So I I think, I think our guests win, but ultimately I, I think, and I don't know what you guys think. I think it deserved the box office return that it got. I don't I don't know what you think about it. I
1: I think it should be I think the box office return should have been just a little bit higher. How about a how about a 76% drop off after the third week? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's it's hard to say because there's some movies I'm,
4: I I go how did that movie make money? Really cuz it was awful in my eyes it was awful. But you know Consumers, consumers speak and, you know, studios have to take note.
3: I I do. do. And and the only reason why I say that is I I think there was a resounding, like, nice try, guys. But for for this type of property, because it's not a Spider-Man, because it's not um, a Superman or something of that nature, you have to bring a little bit more to the table than what you did this time around I think this does send sort of a message to the studios and everything else kind of saying, look, if you're going to take a D list character and try and elevate it to an 80 some million, do- 80 million dollars. OK, 80 million dollars. Now, we may sit there and go, well, that's not 200 million dollars that they spent on, you know, Doctor Strange or whatever. 80 million dollars is a lot more money than what they spent on some of the bigger hits that, um, you know, came out this year, especially in the horror industry. And, and to me, I think. I think it deserved what it received because that sends a message back to Sony and Marvel to kind of go, you're going to spend that kind of money. You got to tell a really good story and you can't rely on the audience to bring all of this crap to the table in order to make it work.
0: That's not true. Those, those venom movies are, are the story is really bad in both of those.
3: Hey, I look, if, I would throw the Venom movies in here. I actually would throw Dr. The the problem and our our good friend, Sammy talks about this all the time. These, these comic book movies are just, they're not necessarily movies or stories anymore. It's just go see this thing because it's going to tell you about the next thing, you know, that's coming out and it's just this continual build. It's yeah. I'm
0: I'm done with three hour commercials
3: to be honest with you. I, I am too. Like I am not, uh, it's gotten to the point even where I at one point was really excited for movies like guardians of the galaxy three next year trailer dropped. And I looked at the trailer and I'm like, I don't know, man, yeah. I don't know if I can do it. The, 2022 might've like jumped the shark for me with all these films and I'm not rushing out. I, I will see Wakanda forever, but it, I haven't made it a priority because I'm just exhausted from this because all Wakanda forever is going to do. is going to provide me a snapshot of doom. That's going to lead me to fantastic four. Right. I know
1: that. No, no, you I still, still have Avatar. Yeah,
4: <laughs> I'll, I'll have to watch that next week because it's my brother's birthday and they're running out a cinema theater. So I will be suffering to that. Fancy. Didn't get my invite, but go ahead. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> hey, you know, uh, I get your point, Troy. And I, I, for me, I, I'm, I think I, I didn't want to come out and outright say it. Okay. Um, their shows are far and few between that I truly enjoy, especially, like you said, the superhero uh, Marvel movies. Uh, but what I do try to watch it, I'm getting beat up blatantly with with messages, except except or you're a bad person. And it, it makes me cringe because before all of this really, really started becoming noticeable, there was that excitement, right? I'm watching the hell out of Winter Soldier again because, man, that was awesome right before that what was before that it was just the movie right there's not all this filler and fluff and gap in between all of it now where uh you're getting a lot of misses very few hits and it's like to your point i'm not really feeling that excitement that i gotta go see this now and it's well and
3: it for me it's not the messaging like i i just to brad's earlier point when we talked about that that's part of it Uh, the boys is a great example i love the boys the boys has some very powerful messaging in there but the messaging is so well done in conjunction with the story, I it just it wears its messaging on its on its sleeve for the most part. But the story is so engaging, you want to see how that message and that story plays out within the context and, of those and that's characters. The
4: difference they're delivering a story with the message, where a lot of times I'm seeing I'm seeing a delivery of the message. Uh, who really cares about the story?
3: Yeah, I, I think it. I think it's mixed. I, I'm start. I, I don't know if I feel the messaging. So, like, for me, it's just I'm. I just really want some quality uh, scripts, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I really do. I think they all look and, pretty and good. And that's
1: that's the art. That's the art of filmmaking. Yeah, right. right. The ability to send us a message without beating us over the head with it. Right. You know. Right. Tell, yeah.
4: tell the story. I mean, like I said, it, I mean, a great story. No one cares what the message is because, again, it opens some eyes, it opens some brain cells, and, and it creates different avenues of thought if the story is done well. Right. But if it's horrible, there's other things that's going to be taken away from it. And it's not what you were expecting or hoping they would take away. That's true.
3: Well, any last thoughts on uh, Morbius from 2022? Brad, Jose, John? Um, no. All right. Well, I'm going to ask the question. we start with you, Jose. 2022, we, well, we know where you're going to land on this. Yeah, Morbius, yeah. is it a bomb?
1: Yeah, I think you know it, it's not a bomb. Okay. It is not a bomb. I enjoyed the heck out of it. As I said, I've seen it like five times, so. Five times, wow.
3: <laughs> where do you, I know what you do for a I living, know, and I know all this stuff that, I like, where'd you get five, I don't know, 10, two hour increments to watch this? I don't get that. That'd be
0: 10 hours short.
3: That's why you I always ask for
4: it. a oh, God, Oh or yeah, time off. Exactly. John knows. John knows the bench would agree. <laughs> all right, John. Where are you?
3: Your honor. Your honor? I don't know why you're so it all of a sudden. <laughs> I need to go and watch uh, Morbius for the sixth time. I need a continuance, please.
0: <laughs> Council's uh, unprepared.
3: <laughs> John, go easy where do, on these youths. <laughs> where, where do you where do you land on uh, 2022's Morbius? Is it about um,
4: I wish it had done better it's to me it's not a bomb Um, I think I hope tonight's discussion with the character has people just at least a little bit more prepared for it if they have not seen it or um, a little bit more um, informed to possibly see it a second time and and I'd be curious to see what you know folks do um, on a second watch um, to see what happens. Um, lastly, all I'll say is, uh, Troy, if you knew anything about vampire lore, uh, there's a difference between clean blood. And oh, God. these oh, <laughs> Christmas. You went there. <laughs> well, wait. I Uh-oh. look now. Now I you're
3: started about it. to get
1: canceled. I started it. <laughs> that is my fault. I apologize.
5: <laughs>
3: Jesus. Brad, bring us back on the tracks here.
0: <laughs> uh, boy, I did not see this one coming, but I'm going to say Morbius is not a bomb. Oh, OK. <gasps> It's again, it's the most okay ish movie I think I've seen in a long time, but it's okay. I mean, it's okay to make an okay movie, like, not everything has to be a 10 out of 10. I you appreciate 10 out of 10s after you see six out of 10s.
1: So, okay, it's Wonder Bread. Okay, Wonder Bread, yeah, okay. As, as a Wonder Bread
0: guy, as, a, as someone who is Wonder Bread personified, uh, Wonder Bread is just fine.
3: Um, well, just like my comics, how they bombed tonight. I'm going to say that, uh, Morbius is a bomb. So, wow. yeah, now I, I, I would kind of agree with Brad. If, if you were, you know, rating this thing on a scale of like one to 10, depending on what day you caught me, I might go, it's a 4.75 all the way up to a 5.25. Like it, it's in that group. It's just right in the middle. Uh, I just don't think I, I walked in probably this conversation thinking I might give this one a pass but i cannot get over the problem of the the script just isn't interesting enough to where it will hide its problems with logic and its superhero realism and all those other things like in order to keep to keep my attention i just found myself asking questions about the film like why doesn't it, this work that way why what's going on with this what happened with that character that's what kept me going in this film uh waiting for those answers and and at the end of the day it probably frustrated me a little bit more than i enjoyed it because i didn't get a lot of uh answers uh to those questions right so sorry i'll I'll be the minority here landon i hope i'm in your good graces i didn't give this thing a pass so you can hate everybody else
4: that's why he gave it the rating he did he's scared you're
3: afraid i'm afraid of landon i am
1: you're afraid of Landon.
3: uh brad (laughs) yes So I get to pick next week's. It's my second pick for 2022. What did I pick?
0: You picked um, a very interesting film, a little smaller film than what we've done so far. And you picked Emily, the criminal starring one, Aubrey Plaza.
3: Yeah, I'm pretty excited about this one. So nice. I know nothing about it. I uh, tried to catch it in the theater, uh, missed it. And the minute that they did the pre-order, uh, I think on Amazon, I, I clicked it right, and I I knew uh, a couple of people that we are close friends with had seen it and loved it, but I'm a big Aubrey Plaza fan. I think she's one of the best actresses working today, and the fact that she had a film that you know came out that bombed theatrically, uh, but got pretty you know got some love from the critics, etc. It was like, hey, I really want to talk about this one. And given the subject matter as well, I actually think it's going to be a good conversation talking about the year of 2022 as well. So if you don't know about the film, go and read the synopsis. I think it might be on Netflix now, as It a just fact. released
0: on Netflix um, yep. on the 7th.
3: Okay. Wow. In the US. Yeah. So more people should have access to see it. But yeah, we're going to talk about that one next week.
1: Ooh, Theo Rossi's in it. I love him. And Gina Gershon.
3: Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like I said, when I saw the premise and I saw the what trailer, what was Gigi Gershon in? Showgirls. Showgirls, baby. That's yeah. right. No, I I just the premise interests me and I I love Aubrey Plaza as an actress and I thought, man, if I'm doing Nicolas Cage, my other pick has to has to be geared towards like a performance. So, we're doing this one. Did you
1: did you like Angry Goes West? I did, a lot. I thought she was, I liked it a lot she too. Was in Blackberry, I liked that a lot too. Yeah. She's Yeah, those she's were one of my favorites. Excellent. Yep.
3: Uh, Jose, what's going on at watch skip plus you, you've had, uh, some exciting Christmas theme stuff.
1: We, we have, uh, you know, honestly, our ep- upcoming episode is still a little bit to be determined, but I believe, I believe we are doing Joe Bagos new, uh, bloody Christmas bloody, or maybe I'm getting that title wrong. I don't know. It was a shutter premiere, uh, this past Friday. Okay so that's that's coming up uh yeah and you release every thursday every thursday at noon yeah you just yep. did violent night right we just did violent night
3: okay yeah, and you were over at the gentleman's guide to midnight cinema doing uh, a west craven favorite what what movie was that that
1: was 1989's shocker, shocker. <laughs> shocker. <laughs> it's a great show. Starring Mitch Pelleggi. That was, the, uh, it's, a, it's a interesting one.
0: <laughs> Some people are, are in whole different movies than other people in that film. <laughs> it's like, Absolutely. what movie are you in?
1: Yes. everybody is acting in a different film.
3: <laughs> so Brad, if anybody wants to write in and, uh, I don't know, tell us what movie bombs we should be covering next week or... More appropriately, tell me how bad of a human being I am for bringing up certain comments during the show. How do they get all of us?
0: (laughs) That's not a bomb. That's not a bomb pod at gmail.com. You can also head over to notabombpodcast.com and hit the contact us button. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. Hit us up there.
3: Yeah, one of the things I would ask folks to do, so we have been sort of soliciting feedback on the show. What segments do you like? What do we got to do more of, less of? Um, we've had a couple of people write in, um, liking some of the anime we did for Cowboy Bebop. We've had several people, uh, ask us, Hey, we know, we know like you, you and Brad watch a lot of crazy stuff and we really like these episodes. Apparently the, um, the, the string of episodes last year where the wives picked movies for us and Brad and I had a meltdown publicly, uh, that was pretty popular. So uh, we've had some requests to review films that are just absolutely terrible. Um, and Jose, I know we've talked about this too. We we kind of had this segment of "Not a Bomb Suffers" um, for a uh, different yes. film ser- series because it, it's pretty bad. So next year, Brad and I have kind of committed that we would do some one-off um, shows, maybe once a month, based on some of the worst films out there, just the absolute worst. And um, we're looking for recommendations.
5: Yeah,
0: but don't give us the Room. Don't give us Birdemic. Like, don't give us the obvious ones. Like, I want stuff that you've seen that is truly atrocious, terrible. That you know, you really think, "Wow, this is the worst thing I've ever seen." So, yeah, because I don't think the Room, like the the Room, there's much worse movies than (laughs) than the Room. So,
3: wait, did you
1: say the Pest? Yeah, the Pest. The Pest (laughs) is a great Uh, example. He's just. I will say this: I did recently see the worst movie ever. What? What is it? Was it the Mean One? It's called the Mean One. Yeah, it's a horror parody of The Grinch uh, Stole Christmas, and it is painful, badly acted, horribly edited, and the visual—the visual effects, the effects are terrible. It's CGI and that's blood coming from everywhere. That's
0: coming from Jose. So yeah, you don't I like liked it, Morbius, and I <laughs>
1: hated this fucking movie. Well, we gotta add that to the list then. Yeah.
0: I, th- yeah, I think another one. Maybe we'll do it next December.
3: Yeah, I but yeah, just, we
0: Christ. we are committing. Actually, so Troy, I was just thinking about this when you were talking about it. When we uh, solicited feedback, people said they wanted to hear us more. So I guess that's a good thing. I'll, I'll take I it as a compliment. I'll, I'll take it. Um, yeah, yeah. Hey. But yeah, so we're we're committing to doing um, once a month for the twenty twenty three. And if Troy and I make it through the year after seeing 12 of the worst films people recommend, then we will see how we uh, how we want to go from there. So yeah,
3: we, we've had some people ask us to do full on commentaries for film and release those. I, I don't know if we have that in our schedule, but please, any and all um, feedback or things that you want to see us do, um, let us know. Uh, I think in January we will make our our public debut on YouTube. Is that right, Brad?
0: Oh, yeah, because the VHS Files, uh, they do video.
3: So, Yeah, we will be awesome. on this VHS Files podcast. So if you want to see what we look like when we're talking films, you could probably find that in January. And we talk about um, The Last Dragon. I feel like when we get invited to other shows, it's always Ninja and martial arts films, which is by, yep. fine by me, man. <laughs> I will talk about that stuff. I fried,
0: I fried my mixer right before uh, we started that, too. So, yes, I was using uh, Apple uh, headphones, which is great
3: (laughs) it was still a good show it was still a lot of fun uh who else should people listen for brad
0: oh yeah so one watch skip plus uh the gentleman's guide to midnight cinema the vhs files night of living podcast the backlook cinema podcast and the mixtape podcast all of our little uh, friends there who could always use more listeners
3: yeah go to the website
0: some of them Um, more than others but you know Go out and support people.
3: Yeah, you can see the whole list of that on our website, along with uh, Friends with Cinefits from our good friend Alex. Mm-hmm.
1: I was about to mention that. Yep. Love uh, Alex.
3: Yes. Um, what else? John, you'll be back here next week, right? You're going to do Emily the Criminal with us, right? Yep. Awesome. Absolutely. Korean
0: cool, back to back. No. What's awesome. yeah. <laughs> up? Uh, you can do
3: that.
0: I'm, I'm not allowed. White Bread is not allowed to do that.
3: No, <laughs> oh. not at all. Oh. Trad? Is that what? Is that what we're going by Trad? trad? Yep. Yeah, trad. trad can't do that. Uh, John Jose I can't thank you enough for spending time talking about uh, Morbius and even some other topics we brought up I thought you know it's a really good discussion I was, I was super excited to hear you guys you know take on 2022 especially that genre of film but thank you so much I can't wait to have you both on a show we'll see you next week Jose and or John and Jose well, I think you're coming
1: up in a couple of weeks right Am I?
0: He's I always know. coming back. I was going to say. I time. hope so.
1: Yeah, I think I so. I hope so. Also, also, I second, a full-length feature commentary, and I suggest you start with the Jackie Chan film. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the tuxedo. I, <laughs> dude, I would do the tuxedo.
3: I love the tuxedo. I do, too. I will rep for that film. Um on. That it would actually nominated. be a great one to do because Brad will just have a meltdown and I'll sit here and go, <laughs> so, uh, yes, during this fight choreography, if you notice that. <laughs> no, it'll it'll be. Yeah, we'll definitely do the tuxedo. That'll be amazing. Uh, what else, Brad? Oh, hey, a uh, couple weeks left of Christmas. Just something I want to throw out there for everybody. Uh, I keep meaning to do this, especially around this time of year. I know there's a lot of stuff going on, and I know with inflation and everything else, all the budgets are super tight if you could do us a big favor, at any point in time, find one of your favorite charities out there and give just anything, just a little something this holiday season. So um, there's a lot of stuff going on. I know everybody is struggling with the high cost of everything. But if you can spare five, $10, 15, $20, I don't care what it is try and get it out, um, especially to like Feeding America Food Banks, stuff like that, because I think they're in most need right now this holiday season because mm-hmm. of a lot of the food shortages going on. Uh, and and I, I would be the first to say, and I think Brad would agree, too, if you do some kind of donation out there and send us an email and say, hey, look, here's one of my favorite donations gave it. And by the way, would you guys cover this movie? I'd, I'd have no problem in 100 percent dropping something we have scheduled to kind of escalate that. Yes. Because 100%. anything that we can do to kind of get more, um, charity, uh, out there from our listeners, cause I, I know all of you do a lot already, but anything that you could do a little extra. And again, especially for any of the charities that tackle, um, food shortages, um, you know, for me, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Maryland food bank and feeding America, stuff like that. It doesn't have to be that, but, um, again, just please give a little lecture this holiday season because I, I think the stuff that's going on especially with the inflation is just affecting a lot of families so there's my public service announcement yeah, well
1: for this week. Hear, here 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 and be sure to donate clothes too and it's a you get a good feeling from from helping people out trust me you, oh absolutely it, it, it'll pay itself back in your feelings no yeah well. I just I've, I've
3: I'm reading way too much stuff of just these organizations having less donations this year, shortages. And I I know it's because of the, of the economy and the inflation, et cetera. So anything that we can do to help you out, I'll record a tuxedo commentary just for you. Um, (laughs) if you donate enough to a a charity, I'll, I'll send it and it'll be a video commentary. whatever you want, I don't care. Um, just, just do something for your communities out there, please. I don't know if you're listening in the morning the afternoon or evening thank you for downloading the episode thanks for playing along and hearing our thoughts on morbius come back next week when we talk about emily the criminal you can catch it on netflix and uh we'll see you then don't lose your head
4: happy holidays everyone